Breaking Good, the officially unofficial podcast for Breaking Bad on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And we are here tonight to talk about season six. Eh, season six, season 5.2, season 5B. I feel chagrined because we, we staked that claim to six and almost everybody else is calling this 509. Well, everybody else is wrong, obviously. Obviously. Yeah. Even Villigan on like Talking Bad is like uh, the contractually dictated <laughs> new season. Uh, so yeah, I that's mean, that's what it's going to say on the DVD cover. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a brown wrapper. Just $40. Thank yeah. you very much. Uh, but no, I, I, I don't know. I feel good about this calling the 601. It's too late to change. Definitely. Uh, so yeah, season six, episode one entitled blood money. Uh, one of my favorite episodes in recent memory. I mean, uh, this was an outstanding episode, right? Well, name a better premiere. Box cutter. Yeah, yeah, box cutter was real strong. But uh, the the season, or I'm sorry, the series pilot maybe. Series pilot is pretty pretty strong. It's hard to beat that. I still think this is right under box cutter. Okay, okay, you like box cutter more. I do. I I, I think you might be on. It's funny because I don't think the emotional stakes are higher, but holy shit, Gus in the super lab. Yeah, uh, it's 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 crazy. Um, this again uh, started off incredibly strong. Again, the Hoyvos on Villigan to open up with yet another flash forward. Yep. To tell us even more of of the the story and and where he's going and paint himself even more in a corner, not giving a fuck, <laughs> uh, just impressive. I mean, I could feel uh, the, my apprehensions about the ser- the season melting away by the minute. Good, good, because I know you always come into these seasons with a little bit of apprehension. Uh, should we talk about? Because uh, I know this might be traditionally our preseason casts and our instant take our our smaller audience than our. Uh, main cast proper this might be everyone's first um you know exposure to the podcast this year sure we did a kickstarter in the off season to expand our coverage we're now doing instant podcasts so literally the second that the episode's over jim and i fly to our microphones we record a hot 20 minute podcast just our you know quote-unquote visceral reactions uh Mm -hmm. kind of like what we thought little mini reviews uh, some hot topics. We beam our guts into the microphone. We beam our guts straight into the microphone, uh, and we put them out. We're, I mean, we, we had it out in less than an hour yeah. uh, this weekend. We're going to be doing that all season long, and we will ha- We both write instant take reviews, something mm-hmm. that you can read on the shitter uh, and uh, you know your Monday morning work day uh, or what have you. Um, so we're, we're excited about that. We're also going to be debuting another new feature, voicemail feedback. Uh, if you are a backer, you should have exclusive access to this voicemail number we've set up. Uh, you should have gotten an email regarding that, but if not, log on to the Kickstarter page, check our site. There's a backer only update that's got the number. Uh, we got quite a few people take advantage of that. We're excited about that. Quite a few, three <laughs> in, in total. <laughs> well, that's exactly how many we said we could read. 
or we'd probably have time for an air. So, you know. Okay. Not bad for right. the And also, they got the email like a couple out, probably just a few hours before the uh, episode broadcast. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, speaking of feedback, we had this is uh, easily a record for a premiere. I think we might have gotten more feedback in, in previous Breaking Bad finales. But it's easily a record. We had to make brutal deep cuts. Uh, if we mm-hmm. didn't read your email uh, or we don't read your email tonight, I apologize. It's because someone else made your identical point sooner. Um, or more eloquently. Or more. No, no, no. <laughs> I always give credit for the people that give it first unless there's a really strong alternate take on it. Okay. But anyway, um, I apologize in advance. Uh, keep trying. And uh, usually the, the traffic... The feedback dies down when everybody gets over their initial ex- excitement, and we'll f- hopefully fit some more on uh, next week. Um, but yeah, yeah. Speaking Did of you... initial excitement, yes, I'm going to give this episode a solid, solid nine. Mm. O- only not giving it a higher score because I'm sure this season is, sh- is going to be filled with nines and tens. Yeah, from what I hear, my initial thought was I wanted to give this a ten because I'm I'm putting it in the same breath as I'm nestling it between the pilot and the box cutter, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm kind of grading a little bit on a curve. I'm expecting mind blowing things, and uh, so what? What? Are you, why are you deducting a point? What could it have done to be more perfect? Uh, be a series finale. <laughs> I, that's that's essentially why I'm not giving it a ten. All right. Uh, I don't know how long I can hold to this. I was handing out tins like uh, <laughs> Easter baskets for Mad Men, and I yeah. have a feeling this is going to be even even more awesome. Did you know tins this episode? Like what? Did you know this episode is directed by uh, Sir Brian Cranston? I vaguely knew that. Yes. He's not actually a knight. I made that up. Americans <laughs> can't hold titles and nobility uh, by, I believe, constitutional law. But um, yeah, he directed it. And, and fun fact, a lot like John Hamm. Uh, they usually draw kind of premiere early on the season assignments because directing, uh, believe it or not, takes a lot out of you. You got to do location scouting. You got to be on the other side of the camera. You got to be doing looking dailies and uh, mm-hmm. shit like that. So he does the first episode. He did the first episode, I believe, last year too. Yeah. And uh, he, I, I thought he did a great job. Like sure. directing really cool action. Some inventive camera angles, some good coverage of uh, skaters tearing up a suburban swimming pool. Uh, also, 5.91 million people tuned in Sunday night, up from 2.93 million the year before. <laughs> I don't think I've wow. ever seen, since we've been covering television, a series this late in its development mm-hmm. double its audience. And it's got to be, in large part, the Netflix, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I would assume so. Netflix, I mean, iTunes, I mean, anywhere. Net, that... Netflix is breaking them. I mean, I wonder what Lost had would have been like had they had a Netflix model. Oh, man. If it had been better. I mean, obviously, it would have been a bigger show. <laughs> it would have been better. But if, yeah. if they could have. The last two seasons would have been any good. Yeah. It's like, you know, I don't know. If, if, they, if it was gotten more, if they had a bigger audience and AMC. Because wasn't, wasn't ABC kind of more or less threatening to pull the plug every season because of how expensive it was and that you know the 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 audience kept shrinking and shrinking and shrinking because obviously if you didn't start watching it's, lost yeah. in season 1 you were fucked yeah, yeah. you didn't have netflix but back then it feels like this show is kind of like that too right like it's hard to jump into a season 5 breaking bad not if you've got a whole year to marathon shit on uh, exactly unless on netflix you have that. Yep. yeah i mean i was listening to the sports guys podcast yet 
he watched the entirety of Breaking Bad during the NBA Finals when he was on the road and <laughs> okay. was champing at the bit, raring to go for this season. Now he's like the big fucking biggest fan. He's he's doing like an episode by episode breakdown. He's basically uh, like bald move only with a million people listening to him. So <laughs> and a million dollars back in him. So <laughs> there's that. Uh, All right, we that's... have bullshitted enough. Yes. Let's get into the episode. That's what people want to hear. Yes. Uh, we start out with a flash forward, another flash forward, like you said. Uh, there's some skaters shredding it up in Walt's old house. That pool. pool has been used for everything but swimming. It's extinguished <laughs> matches. It's been used for suicide attempts. It's housed yeah, yeah. detritus from airline collisions. Mm-hmm. It has been shredded. I don't think I've ever seen anyone swim in it for pleasure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen Scott, rescue swimming and suicide swimming. I've not seen <laughs> <laughs> suicide swimming. Suicide swimming. Dot com. All right. <laughs> uh, so Walt pulls up to the house and he goes inside and he, he takes a look around. He gives us the grand tour and it is gutted. This thing does has nothing in it, nothing left, except for the ricin. The ricin is in the wall socket, and he goes and retrieves it. Mm-hmm. Um, that There's actually a a point that I was going to make about this big scrawl on the wall. It says Heisenberg. Right. Um, but instead of myself taking credit for that, I'm going to give it to Brad in Virginia, who called in uh, one of our Kickstarter backers, and I'm going to play his voicemail right now. Hey, Jim and Aaron, this is Brad in uh, Virginia. I'm calling because I thought one of the great uh, themes of this first episode of The Last Date was who knew what. Uh, when Walt walked, walked into his old house at the teaser trailer at the beginning, or teaser at the beginning, he, uh, Heisenberg was written on there. So everybody knows he's Heisenberg. The skater kids know he's Heisenberg. Uh, his neighbor knows he's Heisenberg. And obviously, Walt Jr. knows he's Heisenberg. So I think that's a really interesting twist because... You know, it's entirely possible that you could live in a major metropolitan city like Albuquerque and there'd be a big drug dealer that people in the DEA know about it, but it's not like it's hit public consciousness. For this one, it looks like it has. It's something that's been all over the news. Everybody knows. The other thing about knowing who knows what is Jesse with Walt. Uh, You know, it's pretty obvious that he knows what happened to Mike. I think it's interesting that, you know, Jesse knows Walt is lying right to him. So that opens the door about Brock. Jane, uh, is Jesse also going to figure those out? And Jane's kind of harder because it wasn't really Walt doing it. He, he didn't do something. But with, with, with uh, Brock, you know, I think Jesse now knows Walt's full of shit. And so it's going to be interesting to see that play out. Of course, if the pacing for the rest of the seven goes like the, the, the first one did, Jesse will figure all that out before the credits of the episode two. Anyway, that's my thoughts. Uh, looking forward to Tuesday night's cast. Thanks for all your all work. Uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of things you can glean and on why this is such a ballsy flash forward. Uh, number one, yes, Heisenberg is famous, at least in the Albuquerque area. Yep. Um, two, he apparently does not care that he is seen or discovered. You at know, least, it's, at it's least like Carol, yeah. it, I mean, Carol sees him and drops the oranges, drops orange on him, and he just didn't give a shit. Uh, was not hurried, did not, like, try to peel out. You know, obviously we didn't see the immediate aftermath, but you would think that his neighbor's reaction is probably going to be the call to cops, right? Sure. Uh, one question I have is, I wonder if this is an indication that Walt has faked his death? 
because because her reaction was so extreme it wasn't just oh my god my neighbor the drug dealer yeah it was almost like i've seen a ghost type of reaction sure but yes um i also i gotta say i'm starting to like the preseason uh ozymandias uh promotions more now than i did at the time because that's what i when i saw him walk in and there's this big you know, written in these big letters, Heisenberg, and he's standing in front of his ruined house. Mm-hmm. It was a very much, you know, gaze upon my works, he mighty uh, moment. And I really like how they've tied that in already. Yeah. So, you know, here and we I see think, his empire in complete ruins. Yeah. It will, will certainly, I want to say, see more of that uh, in this coming season because he has not fallen from his height yet. So that's right. coming up. Uh, hopefully. I mean, I want to see him taken down. I don't know about you. Right. Uh, the other point that Brad makes is um, about Jesse finding out about Jane and about Brock. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty difficult for him to find out about Jane unless, you know, Walt tells him, which is kind of what we've been saying for a while now um, since, you know, it happened <laughs> or at least the fly. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, the, Huel, th- Huel could drop dime on Brock, but Jane is a little difficult right a uh, good point too on the fact that walt jr undoubtedly knows yeah that's, yeah. Not, that's an implication i didn't even think about but uh yeah for sure um the other thing i liked about this scene there was a specific shot where walt gets the rice and then he stands up he sees his reflection in the mirror and yes the yes. house around him is is in shambles and we understand that he is at his lowest point at this at this particular time but that really served to drive it home. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the man himself, his face is shattered in that mirror. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I felt like that was such a reflection of who he is at this point. Somebody on the, face, on the Facebook thread also mentioned that they thought there was some symbolism there because the shattered mirror looked like freshly broke gla- um, <laughs> uh, yeah. meth. How's the diameter on those? <laughs> but, yeah, it's like so he's looking at that. You know, it, it kind of reminded you of a fresh sheet of uh, – uh, meth out of the old super lab. Yeah, good point. Uh, uh, finally, some people were wondering, uh, you know, our, our fans and elsewhere, if Carol was the same um, neighbor that he used in a, sa- a semi-sacrificial manner to yeah. flush out Gus's uh, henchman. It was not. No? No. Uh, he has a new neighbor. Seppen- well, no, no. Seppenwall says this is uh, Becky, his other neighbor, was on the f- other side of the house. <laughs> Okay. So you've got, gotcha. as you're facing, you got the left side is Becky, the right side is Carol. Okay. Um, so just clear up any confusion. I didn't verify that myself, but I trust uh, Seppenwall and his his readers to, to ferret that out. So. All right. Yeah, I was apparently confused on that too. So good to know. Uh, next scene, we get a long, slow zoom on the bathroom door uh, where Hank has just discovered the inscription in Leaves of Grass. And he opens the door and he heads back toward the patio. I, I gotta say, ever since I've had my gallbladder removed, I've I've come out of a bathroom or two with that expression on my face. <laughs> oh yuck! Like a life-altering <laughs> shit has just taken place. Uh, he puts the book in his his bag, Marie's bag. 
I don't know. No, uh, that's one of those goofy, like... Uh, I thought This that... is certainly a bag that Marie bought for him, if it's not Marie's bag, right? No, it's like one of those goofy, like, warming shits. Like, if you want to bring a, 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 a Pyrex dish of casserole, you, you put this thing on, it's you know, like a... <laughs> okay. It's like a reverse cooler. It's a keeper warmer. That would explain why he I leaves think. it in the kitchen when he gets home. Yeah, sure. yeah. So, I, I believe that's what we're what we're supposed to see here. Well, I was just getting at the purple stripe right there oh, in front well, of the Oh, of course. Yeah. Did you notice what... What uh, um, Marie herself was wearing. Uh, a purple shirt, I'm going to guess. Yellow. Oh, okay. Interesting. I mean, there's a lot of yellow in, in this scene coming up and in the drive-thru. Or, sorry, the car wash. Um, uh, but it's Walt and Skyler wearing that there, stuff. The, yeah, there's a lot of color conspiracy theorists. Um, sure. You know, you know, we've For indulged, good reason. Oh, yeah, we've indulged that. Uh, from time to time as well. In fact, you know, there's, uh, I saw today on Reddit, there was a really cool um, image breakdown where they showed like a little thin slice of color uh, per episode for what all the main characters were wearing. And you can see how their color palette has evolved over time. Yeah. And then they also have little call outs like what events, you know, correspond with what color. And Marie is just basically a sea <laughs> of purple and maroon and at the very end there's a thin slice of yellow. Nice. And Reddit is currently they're saying that that's, you know, classic danger color. And mm. it's it's signifying that everyone around that table is in grave danger or if not going to die. Yeah. Plus Carol also wearing it. Carol dropped oranges, which are another you know, people maintain since the Godfather that that's a you know impending sign of cataclysmic doom sure sure although i can only think like i the godfather dropped oranges he did not in fact die he survived <laughs> uh ted had oranges dropped on him and he did not in fact as far as we know die it's true he so, did get severely hurt though yeah maybe it's just a an ass whooping coming their way sure okay uh so he puts the book in the bag and he goes back out to the group and claims that he's sick and then you leave uh, right as he opens the screen door, what does Marie say? She says, you're the devil. Right yeah, to, right right to, to Walt. Walt. Uh, I don't think – I think that was just to tweak the audience. I don't think there's any super deep meaning there, you know? Um, well, we'll know if uh, he almost steps into an in, in empty elevator shaft while he's <laughs> reading – uh, while he's address, re- yeah. while he's reading in Dante's Inferno oh, okay. with uh, his neighbor's address six 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 over his forehead <laughs> or o- over his shoulder, yeah, so we, we don't know. Uh, so I really like this shot where they they zoomed in on Hank coming out of the bathroom because for two reasons really. I mean, a it gives us time to realize what we're about to see, like where we are, who this is about to come out of the bathroom, which mm-hmm. we all know. B it gives us one last chance after the year of speculation. To decide what he's going to do about it. Right. I like that. <laughs> it's like going up the roller coaster. You know, the final yes. click before you can feel gravity take over. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also gives us time to appreciate what a fucking beast Dean Norris is. <laughs> Were there stink lines coming out of that bathroom? What are you talking about? <laughs> no, I mean, just like his acting. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know that it's improved since the first season. I know. I think Daniel WB made that point in the feedback later on. But he certainly had a lot more room and range to go. And Definitely. and his little post-traumatic uh, shit disorder routine with Dave Porter's music given a heavy assist mm-hmm. was just a, a showcase, man. Yeah. Uh, I haven't – and, and, you know, I haven't seen a reaction from him like that since uh, when he went through all that shit after the uh, – 
a tortuga's head exploded on a turtle on a turtle turtle a turtle turtle <laughs> definitely um, yeah you know so it's like i like that they kind of paid that homage to that 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 character moment and this was such an epic i mean his whole world is being turned upside down completely completely i mean all through the series we've seen he, he's him in say a... say things over and over again to walt like oh you couldn't possibly be involved yeah. in any of this stuff you wouldn't know a criminal if he was giving you a rectal exam you know yeah and here this has happened i he i wouldn't surprise it wouldn't surprise me to see him show up naked at a whole foods <laughs> he was in a borderline fugue fugue state definitely yeah so we we see that in the next scene where they're driving back to uh the schrader the home of schrader brow and Hank has a panic attack, and he crashes into someone's front yard. Uh, Marie's freaking out. She's like, call the police, call an ambulance. Because, uh, yes, like you said, his worldview has been totally shattered. He mm-hmm. can't even believe what's happening. I thought he was going to hork. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he really gave that, like, you know, need to, need to throw, need to attention, attention-reducing vomit. I was wondering if he was going to have a heart attack right Ooh. there and just keel over dead. Oh man, you imagine how pissed we'd be to be <laughs> totally. like if he had like a brain aneurysm, <laughs> right as no he figured Hank. everything out. Yep. Uh, uh, so, did you actually listen to the conversation, or were you too focused on Hank? Because Marie? the first time around, I was very focused on Hank. No, I, I, I'm and made notes that she was talking about going to Europe, and you know, in classic Marie style, she won't flipped into you know downshifted into keeping up with the Joneses mode. And yeah, yeah, the whites were going to take a trip to Europe. Scott yes. really told her about that. Yeah, and like what a big, what a profound change those two have been through of late. Yeah. And uh, what, a, what did I miss anything else? No, no. I was just going to point that Nailed out for people it. who maybe, you know, had been too wrapped up in what Hank was doing. Right. And to be fair, I, I, I can't remember which time I watched it, but I watched it with closed caption. And it's way easier to catch that stuff when you're watching the closed caption on. Definitely. Uh, then we get back to the Schrader house, and Marie's very concerned about Hank. Uh, th- he tells her he's fine, but he doesn't want anybody to tell Skyler uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, he thinks Skyler is not in on this, and he doesn't want to, you know, burst her bubble about Walt if he's not right. Oh, sure, and and I think he's just deeply he's he has got to be beyond the shadow of the doubt sure about this stuff. Yes, and also. The editing is breathless, man. You went right from Hank wrecked in that guy's front yard to him, close-up of him cutting off his hospital tag. Yeah. I mean, a lesser show would have indulged us of two or three minutes at the hospital and Marie (laughs) fretting there. But, I mean, that was such an efficient way to tell you what's going on and, you know, what what Hank's new mission is and the fact that he's he's got his wife blissfully unaware. Yep. Uh, So he goes straight out to the garage. Straight to the garage. He doesn't even stop to... Uh, help Marie unpack or anything. Uh, and he digs up the case file on Gail and he compares the handwriting they saw in the book uh, with the handwriting that he sees in those notes and they match. They're a perfect match. Walt is Heisenberg as far as he's concerned now. Yeah, I was wondering because as I was watching him do that, there was minor variations and there was two different types of pins. And I was wondering, is he trying to talk himself out of it? Um, you know, doing the stare and compare uh-huh. business or is he like confirming? I mean, what's going What's going through his mind? I mean, what do you think Hank is feeling in all this? Uh, certainly, I think the most prominent thing he's feeling is betrayal. Really? Uh, I think, y- yeah, maybe the the second most prominent thing he's feeling is stupidity. <laughs> he feels like he's a dumbass. Like we talked about before, uh, McCurt had the same issue with right. Gus Spring. 
so he's, I'm sure that's running through his head going, oh my God, this same thing is happening over again. I don't know. I mean, I, I've wondered what you would feel like that. I mean, I've definitely had unsurreal, unreal experiences. Um, I have something to tell you, Aaron. What? I'm a meth dealer. <laughs> I knew that. Um, oh, God damn it. I was trying to blow your mind. <laughs> no, but I've had like an experience, like, you know, 9-11 obviously was a surreal experience. You're like, just like, what the fuck? Am I going to wake up? Yes. But, but like, you know, uh, take like a 9-11 and make it very intentionally personal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of like it if was you find out, people, you know, you found out a family member, close family member went off and killed a bunch of people. Yeah. Um, you know, and Hank, that's the thing. He had all these pieces and they all snapped together in one shot. Yeah. He knew like, 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 I feel like this was all running through his head. It's like, oh my God, those guys at the prison. Oh my uh, God. Uh, the Gus Fring super lab explosion. Uh, oh my God. He helped me in that investigation. He drove us into traffic. Oh my God. He was the one that <laughs> called me and told me Marie's in the hospital. I mean, it, it, his life has been profoundly fucked up by this man's actions. Absolutely. I, I may have spoken a little too soon. I don't know that this is the moment where he's like Walter Heisenberg because later on when he looks at that picture, after going through all the evidence, and it still and kind seems of like he's trying to disprove it. He's trying to like, yeah, you might be right about make that. you know, kind of like make sense of this. Like, oh, I don't, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't think I, it, it always seems like it, even though he was kind of a dick to, to Walt, he never really meant him any harm, and he seemed like he had affection and general con- gen- genuine concern. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you think back to like before um, Dean Norris was in the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that Walt was going through, and he, Hank is not a guy to want to talk about feelings at no. all. But he offered, right? You know, he offered that to Walt, uh, and Walt turned around and did the same to him when he was in the wheelchair. You know, so yeah, that that some of the webisodes they did between season one and two kind of reinforced that too. Like the the one that the, was broadly played for comedy it was the. Uh, are you know what I'm one I'm talking about? No, I haven't seen those. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> no, it's uh, on uh, Hank and Marie's wedding day, and Hank was getting cold feet, and you know, uh, Walt goes to talk to him. It turns out that uh, uh, it turns out that uh, Hank got a blowjay from a transsexual, uh, or, <laughs> wow. uh, or or at least a cross-dressing gay man at a gay bar. And and all, Hank is a is unaware of this. He he's aware. Obviously, he got the blowjay, but he thought it was just a really, really uh, exceptional uh, member of the feminal, female species. Um, <laughs> and Walt like was really solid for him, and you know, gave him the pep talk, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know, then Hank was married on his way. So I, I feel yeah. like that that was did a good job of showing that they were. Um, you know, at least, especially in, in the beginning of their relationship, more or less brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, friends and they're there for each other. Yeah. And, and Hank saw him kind of as a dopey guy who maybe needed a little help. Well, know? and it also, it's like, you know, that, that kind of, I think somewhat retrospectively illuminates the relationship between him and Skyler. Like if, if Hank has kind of gotten borderline content with Walt over the years, you know, you kind of think that Skyler, like, you, you've seen glimpses of their initial relationship, too, and it's completely different. You know, Walt has made, you know, we feel sorry for him when we see his life and how pathetic it is and how far he's fallen. But a lot of that stuff is a direct result of his choices. Yep. Just like all this shit now is a direct result of his choices. Absolutely. I mean, the stuff with Grey Matter certainly yes. was his choice. I mean, we right. get that out of the Gretchen scene Yep. Um, in the dinner they had. 
Uh, anyway, let's move on. Walt and Skyler are opening the car wash uh, the next morning, or at least I assume it's the next morning. Walt tells Skyler that they need to reorganize the air fresheners, that they should also buy another car wash. Yeah. And Skyler seems kind of keen on the idea. He, they're She's both like, in the Empire in. business. <laughs> yeah, they are. She does. She seems, At first, I thought she's kind of like showing some ambivalence, but then it seems like she was really all about it. Yeah. And, you know, she's dressing really super nice. Definitely. Um, she's Looking really, good, Skylar. She's really thrown herself into, like, the branding. And, you know, I mean, this is a night... This is a night and day different operation from the oppressive slave camp that <laughs> Eyebrows is running. Yeah, it is. You know? And it's it's hilarious the difference between Walt working the cash register as Walt and and him working it as a retired Heisenberg. Yeah. You know, yeah. doing the exact same thing, but he's empowered. Yeah. That, that is his business. Ownership, man. Yeah. Uh so Walt and Skyler in the scene, both wearing very light clothing. I mean, you've got Walt who is basically dressed like Gus was dressed every episode. Mm. Uh, which less color is very cream, yeah, was, very cream yeah. colored. Well, I mean, if you uh, look like off white, like yeah. like, and, and I think that's another deliberate choice by Villigan. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trying to be the white hats, yes, but there's still a grimy tinge to it. Yeah, there's and a, it fits very well with this new lifestyle that Walt has taken on, indeed. which is very mundane. Uh, which is what he needs, but maybe not what he still wants. You know. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh. The AV Club actually had a really excellent take about why Walt is concerned about these air fresheners, and their review of this episode is pretty phenomenal, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have a link to it, but you can just search AV Club uh, Blood Money and you'll find it. Also, Shane B. Has, is running a um, Tumblr site, the Heisenberg Chronicles, I believe it's called, okay. and he's doing a uh, kind of Monday morning roundup of all the reviews. Uh, it's a great source. Um, while you're talking, I'm going to actually look that up. <laughs> Okay, yeah, sounds good. So the AV Club's uh, take on why Walt is concerned about the air fresheners is that this is now his project. Um, he Now that he's out of the meth business, he doesn't have that project to work on. And it made me think, actually, of the first time that he quit this business. What did he do? He immediately went out and installed that water heater. He got balls deep in this house uh, trying to fix it up. You know, He needed a project to take on. And I actually think he and Hank are alike in that way. They both love their projects. I mean, look at Hank when he has been at his strongest, at his happiest. He has been working to try to find Heisenberg. I mean, even when he's bedridden, that's the thing that kept him going, you know? I mean, he's got his geode collection, his his minerals. He's that's a project for him. Right. I think these guys are there are shades of each other uh in the other one. Right. I like that a lot. Um it's Heisenbergchronicles.tumblr.com. And it's basically a roundup of all the art you see on Reddit, all the reviews, all the, I mean, all the coverage. He's really throwing himself into it. I encourage everybody to check it out. All right. Next scene is Lydia showing up at the car wash. Uh, Kind of the same scene, really. And she tries to convince Walt to help her get the quality of her meth back up. It is apparently falling below 70%, and she's not happy with that. Actually, she's not the one who's not happy with that. Right on. Uh, she's not happy, but there are other forces who are even unhappier. Right. Uh, he refuses, and Skyler asks who Lydia is, and the Walt tells her. Um. And I guess we'll we'll you know include in this scene Skyler going out to tell Lydia to stay out of my territory. Very right. reminiscent of that scene. Right. Uh, and I like seeing that 
that side of this new Skylar, you know? Right. Um, do you think that she actually did anyone any favors, including herself, though? By telling Lydia to get the hell out? Yeah. I mean, to, it, it's not yeah. a good thing for her to be on Lydia's radar, and especially the way she humiliated her that way. Yeah, probably not. I mean, Lydia is obviously connected at this point. So. Mm-hmm. And here, again, I, I was primed for Walt to be dishonest with Skylar. Um, yeah. And when he honestly shocked when he came right out of the gate and, like, fessed everything up. Um, I also like, uh, you know, when she comes up and said, this one's finished. I thought that was, you know, it's, it's very similar to a scene from the new Orange is the New Black with uh, Kate Mulgrew as Red. Um, I, what what did you think? Okay, who who do you think is cooking for Lydia? Are we left to it's assume Todd. it's Todd? Okay. That's what I'm assuming. I, I, I feel like that's uh, right on as well. And we also knew that, like, Walt was a little exasperated at, uh, you know, Todd's abilities relative to Jesse when they were cooking together. Yep. He seemed like a very slow learner when mm-hmm. Walt was trying to teach him. And when Lydia said, you're putting me in a box here, um, at first I thought that was just like, you know, kind of confining her, not giving her many options. Yeah. She literally meant, do you, do you think that was like a death reference? Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. That I, That's the, the third time I think I watched this episode I, when I was watching. I was like, oh, shit, she's actually saying you're killing me. Yeah. And it Walt still didn't give a fuck. That's interesting because – I could definitely see that with the things I've heard about, like you said, how much uh, plot there is still left to go and mm-hmm. the reason that for this fast pacing, mm-hmm. uh, she is probably going to be involved more. Right. And that threat is not gone. So the idea that she could end up dead wouldn't surprise me. Uh, next scene is Hank staring out from his balcony. He's thinking about this case and Marie comes outside to ask if he's going to work. He says no. And she leaves for work. And as she does, two men show up with boxes full of stuff for Hank. And we know that this is the evidence from the Gail Boddicker case, um, from the Heisenberg case. Right. Not a lot to talk about in that scene. So I think we should move on to... Did you uh, yeah. mention the the, uh, the music playing? No, I did not. I don't uh, know who it is. It's uh, Word Mule by Jim White. Okay. Which Never I kind of thought it sounded a little bit... A little bit prime. I, I was guessing before I found out. I thought it was a little bit like Primus, a little bit Presidents of the United States. Yeah, it has flavors of those. Yeah, you know, but I, you know, I'm not familiar with these this guy's work. Um, Maybe a little violent fims in there too. And I, I, I just thought it was kind of funny um, how, like, you know, they had like a lot of. There's a little touch, light touches, like when one of the photos that Hank is uh, as he's going through. One of his Hank was like in like a uh, Hawaiian shirt with a big grin on his face, posing next to a burnt corpse. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> next to Tuco's guy, sure. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And then they had the Schrader brow logo versus this desperate search <laughs> to try to, I guess, exonerate his his brother in law. That Schrader brow logo is awesome. Uh, I can't like I'm with Seppenwall. AMC sitting on a gold mine of licensing. Los put Poyos. that put that fucker on an orange T-shirt, and you're going to move a hundred thousand units. A one A car wash, have an A one day, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm. I, it's 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 crazy. Um, I also so I haven't even introduced the scene. Okay, it's the scene where Hank has these dudes unload the boxes in his garage, and we get like you said the montage with the music of him unpacking. I thought all that the we evidence. were on that scene. I'm sorry. Well, I hadn't described it yet. I just want the listeners to know where we are. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I. 
you know, you got to keep them uh, up to date. We're the they rusty. Don't get lost. We're the rusty. We've been off. I'm for six not rusty. Weeks. You're rusty. Uh, oh, <laughs> here's here is where Hank realizes Walt is Heisenberg. He he's looking at all these pictures. He's trying to connect the dots, like you said, and then boom, it's the drawing yeah. of Heisenberg from the shrine. Of Heisenberg, right? Yeah, we. Back that the cousins. That's been visited. something we've. Uh, that's been flying around the last three years. Yeah. Is, will that? Will that? Uh, you know, shot ever come back to haunt Walt? And I think we kind of were dismissive of it last season because, like, mm-hmm. you know, how in the world could that fi- possibly come back around? Well, <laughs> this is go. how. And yeah. I never even thought it really looked that much like him. But when you hang held up and looked at him, I'm like, holy shit, that does look a lot like Walt in his pre-goatee days. Definitely. Like it was just bald head and mustache. And once you already have that thought in your head. Yes, it becomes obvious. It's very obvious, yes. Uh, we go over to Jesse's house. He's sitting in his living room listening to one of the funniest Star Trek pitches I've ever heard. Uh, Badger and Skinny Peter arguing about Star Trek Transporter and Badger and I've, I've had that. I've had that argument with people. About the transporter? Yeah, that it's a suicide machine. Okay, yeah, so we'll get to that for sure. We're going to talk about that probably in depth. Um, Maybe not. Who knows? Anyway, Jesse can't take it. He's done. I don't want to hear the stupid conversation, and he leaves the room. Mm -hmm. When he comes back out, he has two big duffel bags, and he leaves the house. Right. Uh, Aside from this being an awesome, uh, funny scene, there are some really funny lines, (laughs) like when... uh, Skinny Pete's like, because he's a doctor, bitch. Look it yeah. up. It's science. It's science. <laughs> right. Hilarious. I actually never saw Skinny Pete as being that funny until this scene. I thought Badger was always like the really hilarious one. But, yeah, both of those guys are awesome. Oh, yeah. And, again, I, that pie-eating contest is straight up something that we could have come up with on our Blue Yonder days. <laughs> For sure. Uh, Crazy. Also, The other thing about Skinny Pete that I liked in this is that in his mind – uh, molecules and bones are on the same scale. <laughs> like there yeah. is no difference. I saw you write that in your uh, recap, and la- <laughs> I, I, I laughed out loud. Pretty hilarious. It's kind of like shades of Bruce Campbell in Armies of Darkness, where he's talking about you know you don't know anything about molecules and complex moving parts, and <laughs> yeah, neither do you, man. <laughs> yeah, apparently not. Yeah. Did you have something else to talk about, or should we talk about the the I'm, transporter do uh, you, pie eating contest? Uh, do you want to? I posted on Facebook yeah. a link to someone. I, either they had an advanced copy of screening or they're the fastest animators in the world. Right. But someone did a full um, kind of like animated take of this script that Badger, as he was saying it, they kind of like reenacted it and they showed different things. And mm-hmm. like, you know, I thought it was really funny. Uh, Scotty working the transporter controls and sweat rolling down his face and <laughs> or her as big pointies came out. <laughs> Um, but it's, I mean, I don't know. What do you want to say about it? Uh, we've got a shitload of feedback about the subtext apparently in the scene. Okay. See, I was reading around on Reddit. I hadn't, uh, checked out those emails. Yeah. Yeah. We've got, that's what I want to talk about. Do we want to save it? We've got coverage in spades. Well, I mean, I can scroll down and we can talk about it now or we can talk about the feedback. What would you prefer? Is it easy for you to find? I can probably find it. Sure. All right. Let's do it then. I'll, I'll start it off. Uh, so I was cruising around reddit looking for stuff um about this scene and a couple of guys i'm going to name them because i want to give them full credit ssbb08 and cape kid both had really interesting takes on the possible deeper meaning of this scene um ssbb can i let the listeners take a crack at it first and then you can do it you yeah can, okay our listeners 
have priority over Reddit. Sorry, yes, Reddit. <laughs> yes. Um, a lot of our listeners are redditors. That's but, true. Uh, yeah. So email uh, us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, Charles started things off. He said, "Do you guys catch the meta commentary on Chekhov's gun slash anything in the scene with Badger and Skinny Pete? The one loose end that you always hear about in the show is the ricin. So when they start off the last eight episodes." Run with Walt revi- retrieving the rice, and you know that everyone at home is saying to themselves, Chekhov's rice, and I knew it. Then Badger tells a story about the star-, star Trek. He mentions Chekhov's stomach about halfway through, and ultimately the climax of the story is that Scotty accidentally beams his intestines out of space. That's killing Chekhov. I also want to say that, that Chekhov's pie, Eric, on uh, Twitter and Facebook, was the first <laughs> one I saw to make that connection. Yeah, very good. Um, also, uh, getting a little deeper, Ben asks, in this scenario... Who is Kirk, Spock, and Chekhov? Yeah. He says that he thinks Walt is Chekhov because Walt's trying to beam all the bad things out of his life. His cancer, his drug-dealing life. He wants to beat the system at its own game by cheating, and it's not going to work. B, uh, he says Spock is the system slash Elliot Schwartz. Elliot is Walter's ultimate nemesis. He consumes all. Walt tries to cheat (laughs) and get ahead by dealing drugs, but it won't work in the end. Elliot took Walt's ideas, his girlfriend, and life he could have had. Hank is Kirk. He doesn't realize that the game is rigged against him. Uh, plus, he's got room to spare. Uh, and that he can never win against uh, Spock and Chekhov. Skinny Pete is a prize that Kirk would lose since he's a traditional hero. Hank is a detective, a traditional hero on TV shows. Um, Jesse walking out of the room prompting Badger to say he is missing the best part indicates that Jesse will soon leave and get out of the area before the final confrontation. Um, man, I've, I have read and heard so many takes on this. I've I've got one more. Okay. Um, Brandon says a lot of people are dismissing this as just pure comedy value, but for him, this is similar to the beginning of Magnolia where a young kid's rap reveals everything that will transpire in a movie. This is the Villigan we are talking about and he can't, you can't forget how careful and deliberate he is. I also believe that the Villigan is well-versed in Shakespeare. One of the most important components of a Shakespeare's plays is the role of the fool. While the fool can serve many purposes, one of its main roles is to give insight into the story and characters that can't otherwise be provided. The fool is able to illuminate what's really going on and provide the audience with a portent of what is about to unfold. If there was ever a fool in Breaking Bad, it would be fucking Badger. It seems clear to me the Badger speech just revealed everything that's going to happen with the remaining players on the chessboard. I'd love to get your take and on uh, this theory and break it down. Um, but his guess is he believes Hank is Kirk due, due, due to his tendency to succumb to his emotions and portly stature. Sure, sure. Walt is Spock due to smarts and attempt at being rational. And Jesse is Chekhov, the youngest of the three. Um, so what do you – What do you got anything else? I, yes, I don't – know what to think i'm not going to give an opinion because i've heard so many but uh, uh this this thing about the shakespeare and the fool yeah. uh that would be like villigan to put something like that to shakespeare it up yeah and and, and have this apparently just 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 because not you know just this kind of offhand comic beat moment have a deeper meaning oh totally and i think it definitely does um there's just so many possible options like for instance kate kid on reddit says that Jesse is Chekhov, uh, and that Walt, get this, get this, and I'm sure you know this already, the element of the transporter that allows it to function is the called Heisenberg the Heisenberg Compensator, compensator yeah. which, Heisen, which compensates for the Heisenberg uncertainty principle and allows him to make a perfect copy. You're, you're goddamn right I got a copy of this <laughs> Next Generation Technical Manual. I know you do, I know you do. <laughs> uh, so, in that scenario, Walt is actually Scotty because he is operating the Heisenberg compensators, saving Jesse Chekhov from his fate mm. at, at every turn. 
Except for he finally ends up the one killing him. Maybe. Maybe. We don't know that. How do you know that? Uh, because that's how the story <laughs> ends, if it's got a deeper meaning at all. Oh, okay, yeah. From from this parable, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, and Skyler is Yuhura, and a couple of characters are left, Kirk and Spock. Uh, he has some theories about Spock being Hank and Kirk being Walt and, like, all all sorts of stuff. Like, uh-huh. he, he combines characters. It's That's why I say I don't know, because there are so many possible options for reading that. Yeah, I mean, something they definitely, kind of like the Inferno plot device and Mad Men that seemed like it was going somewhere early on and kind of yeah. somewhat fizzled out other than an overall kind of thematic arc. It, time will tell. Definitely. I mean, if the end of these eight episodes that this actually had some deeper meaning, then, you know, <laughs> hats off to De Villigan. Uh, and yes. he's done shit like that before. I mean, remember the uh, the uh, bust in Gail's apartment that had the face half blown off? Oh, that yeah. didn't pay that that paid off like a whole season later. Uh-huh. Um, there's like a lot of stuff I've been looking at uh, Reddit. How much shit was foreshadowed about um, Jane's death? Like you know, Walt putting Holly on uh, I think rolling over on her tummy or on her side, saying you know don't want her to throw you know don't want her to choke <laughs> on on a, any spit up and wow. and uh, yeah, there's That's- a lot of foreshadowing that I didn't even catch years ago yeah and there's a lot of uh callbacks in this episode too which right. make you think that maybe this will turn out to be a uh, something more important oh uh, and also it's like when jane and him were at the uh georgia o'keefe uh exhibit where yep. jesse said something uh romantic to her and she goes like oh god i just about threw up in my mouth <laughs> yeah i mean awesome. that's like some deep that's some some deep cuts man yeah subtle i like it uh, going back to SSBB08's point, I don't think I actually made it. He's talking about the existential question of what constitutes you, in quotes. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, if you are, in fact, torn apart by the transporter and you're recorded at the molecular or bone level uh, <laughs> and you're reconstructed elsewhere, is that even still you? And that ties in pretty well to who is Heisenberg and who is Walt at this point. Right. You know, who who are these two guys who have been competing for each other, uh, the entire series. Right. It's like that's – I forget there's a, a philosophical thought experiment about where if you take a boat and you replace a plank on the deck, is it still the same boat? Yeah. What if you replace every single piece of wood and every nail and every mm-hmm. sail and every piece of rigging? Is it still the same boat? Yeah. And, like, there's lots of different ways you can look at that. But, you know, as Walter has replaced little bits and pieces of moral compass and his personality traits and that – you know, is he still, is there somewhere in there kind of like still Walt or is it completely replaced by Heisenberg? Did Walt die? You know, and, and I kind of likened it. I had a much less highbrow literary analogy in the instant cast of the Superman 3. Uh, <laughs> good Superman, bad Superman, trash compactor fight. Uh, it, but it's the same principle. Oh, absolutely. Really. <laughs> 100%. Uh, all right, let's move on. Jesse is waiting to see Walt in, or sorry. Jesse's waiting to see Saul in his office. Uh, it's taking forever. Nobody's letting him in. So he lights up a joint, uh, or a Rizzo, as I like to call it. Uh, Huel's about to knock his ass out just as Saul calls Jesse into his office. Uh, oh, and that's kind of the scene there. Huel's we'll head, the man. Oh, they film him from below on purpose, uh, right? Dude, it's like, <laughs> it is a massive horn of meat on <laughs> this guy's head. It is so, I mean, this uh, guy... 
This guy's absolutely fucking hilarious. If you've never seen any of his stand up, you, have, can, you can go on YouTube. I forget the guy's name. I'll, I'll look it up here in a minute. Okay. Um, but yeah, I can't remember where I was going with that. <laughs> yeah, it's just me. Oh, were you surprised that Jesse was getting that kind of disrespect from Saul? Saul is a very preoccupied man at that point, right? Yeah. I mean, he's in there getting a massage. Uh, let's let's move in there uh, to that to Saul's office. He he has been getting a massage. Obviously, he's putting his clothes back on. Uh, Jesse walks in, tells him that there are two bags with two point five million dollars each, and he wants one given to Kaylee Ermintrout and the other given to Drew Sharp's parents. And for those not in the know, Drew Sharp is the kid that they killed in the desert. Right. Um, Saul tries to talk him out of it, but Jesse wants the money gone. He is done with this. Uh, Saul relents, but as soon as Jesse leaves, he calls Walt, who is getting a treatment. Walt tells him to hold on to the money, and he'll be right over. He'll take care of it. Right on. Um, the guy who plays Huel is uh, Lavelle Crawford, there and he's go. a veteran of America's Top Comic. Very yeah. funny man. Very funny, very large. Very large. He's tolerable. Uh, so, who's Hello Kitty phone? Who do you think? Dude, I had the same thing in my nose. On that <laughs> like, phone. Uh, is that I, Kaylee? Oh, I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, I'm thinking it's I, I'm thinking that it's like a Madame Madame of Albuquerque. Oh. She's like you know a high class prostitute ring. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, she got to get you know she got she better call Saul to get one of her girls off the the beta uh, prostitution rap. She didn't send Francesca over, right? <laughs> no, what? She doesn't strike me as high class prostitute. No, no, <laughs> okay. no, no. no. Good. But that's who I was thinking. I was thinking during this scene how much Saul is dressed like the Joker. Uh-huh. Did you see that? He's wearing this bright green shirt. Yes. An orange and purple tie, pinstripe pants. He looks like the freaking Joker. You're right. You're right. It's crazy. And I don't know what it means, but it's What do you think about his line about, uh, hey, when they start to whack the lawyers, that's where I draw the line? <laughs> Um, I actually saw today a lot of people speculating that this Better Call Saul spinoff is an elaborate attempt for Villigan to throw people off the fact that Saul's going to die. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I I don't put much uh, – I don't lend much credence to the idea that there's actually going to be a Better Call Saul spinoff. I don't know. I mean I've, I I've, I've seen it reported as a real thing, like – you know what I mean? But nobody wants it. I mean, everybody I've heard talk about it uh, says I don't. I don't care. I don't want. That. I don't know. I read some feedback, but we're not going to be able to actually read because we got so much fucking feedback. But yeah. uh, from from our instant take and our preview uh, cast, where someone yeah. you know, it's like if they did this as like a black comedy, <laughs> like a black comedy, yeah, with you know Skinny P. Uh, and and Badger and some of the other criminal like low lives <laughs> and you know just strike the right tone. I kind of think it could work, but it have to be like just wrong, like wronger than even Always Sunny in in, in Philadelphia. <laughs> that's tough to do. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I mean, that's 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 really hard to do to have a funny show with kind of unlikable scummy characters. Yeah, only I can only think of really Sunny and and. Uh, Seinfeld and Archer pull it off. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I don't know. We'll see. I'm like I said. I'm not super excited uh-huh. about that prospect. Uh-huh. Uh, so we go back to Jesse's house, and he's lying under the table watching roaches climb around. Uh, when Walt shows up with the money, 
And he tries to talk Jesse out of giving the money away, and Jesse asks him if he's killed Mike. Walt lies to his face and says no. Jesse, Jesse doesn't believe him, right? Well, I mean, Walt, this was so crazy about Walt is he admits to lying and making shit up to win arguments. Uh-huh. And now he's like, oh, I, I promise you, I promise you, uh, he's, you know, he's not dead. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder, because I've heard that with, like, dyed-in-the-wool pathological liars, that the reason they're such good liars is they eventually start to assimilate that new reality. Yeah. And in their own mind, they've suppressed the cognitive dissonance so much that they actually believe it. Do you think Walt got to that level where he believes that... In, in some some real emotional, mental way that, that Mike is still out there. Uh, my first reaction is no. Yeah. But, but Brian Cranston does such a convincing performance here that if I were in that room, I probably would have believed him. And up until the point where he just can't let it go. He says, mm-hmm. I need you to believe me. He says it twice. I need you to believe me. Uh, that second time was overkill. And then mm. he sits back and he's like, yep, Mike's fine. Mm-hmm. Mike's fine. He's just, he, he had Jesse, I think, when Jesse looks over and seems convinced, but then. Uh, I don't think far. he ever seemed convinced. I also think that. All right. I also think, what do you think that, what do you think that Walt meant when he said, I need you to believe me? I think for Walt's sake, <laughs> he needed him to believe him. I, thought- I think Walt is. Walt has always been very possessive of Jesse and very uh, treats him very much like a son uh, or, yeah, like a son. And I think he just doesn't want to lose Jesse like that. Um, I took it a little bit more sinister. I actually think it was a veiled threat. Oh, like if you don't believe me, I'm going to ax you. Yeah, if you can continue continue to buck shit and draw attention to yourself and, you know, fuck with my new happy life with my family – you know, it's like I need. It's like I, I, I honestly think that Walt doesn't want to kill Jesse. I think he does view him as a son in a very twisted, controlling, <laughs> uh, abusive way. Yeah. But I, I, I took that as I need you to believe me or else. Okay. Like if he had stepped out too far, that. and 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 Vince said the same thing on the Talking Bad uh, after show. I don't know if you watched that. No, I didn't get a chance. Um, but he said that is his personal opinion that if Jesse'd stepped too far out, the white Walt might have gone Heisenberg on him in that scene. <laughs> so, All right, that, of course, that's you know, a lot of he's, credence. I, 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 he's not as big of a liar as a uh, you know a Matthew Weiner. So sure. I tend to give that a little bit more weight. All right. Uh, the other thing I liked about this scene is this is, I guess, the moment where. I really stopped and thought about Jesse's state, the situation that he's in. He doesn't want this money. He feels like it is blood money uh, in no small part thanks to Walt. If he gets rid of this money, what happens to him? He is then penniless. He is not going to go back to cooking meth. That's what got him here in the first place. He won't do that. Uh, He doesn't seem to be prepared for any kind of job in the real world either. So I'm like, where is Jesse's next logical step? Uh, honestly, I didn't we talk about this last year uh, that um, he possibly was suicidal? You yeah, you yeah. watched the whole last season uh-huh. when Walt came to his house. Did he only have one bullet in that gun? 
Oh, I don't. Because I, I was that. talking to someone at work today, and he he mentioned that. Like, can you and, see there's no clip in it or something? I don't. I I don't know. Or wasn't it a revolver? Uh, or may, was it a semi-automatic? Yeah, it, it may have been a revolver. I I couldn't see it. But he mentioned that it's like, and I don't know if it's true or not because I have not seen that uh, recently. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or I wasn't paying attention. I actually did see it right before the the episode aired. I wasn't paying attention. Um, I didn't have it taped. I, I just wonder if like he's suicidal, like he's looking to maybe. like if he just offed himself now, this money would go. You know, they'd find this huge wad of cash and just get turned over to the state where he's like, I want to make as much good and right and and with in my life and then end it. Yeah. Because what has he got to live for? There's no, you know, there's no that this is the first time he's like he's completely over Walt. He doesn't have anyone relying on him. Um, He doesn't have anything, any real reason to live. Yeah. I don't know, man. Maybe he needs to go back and see uh, what's his face. Problem dog guy. Uh, the counselor. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I can't remember his name from Justified. Yeah, Win Duffy. Uh, yeah, Win Duffy. There you go. Uh, anyway, we go over to dinner at the White House, and they're talking about what Junior's going to do about college because that's coming up pretty quickly. And they talk about Lewis a little bit, and Walt starts to feel ill, and he excuses himself, and Skyler does not totally let that go. She notices it, so I think Skyler is going to start to to uh, catch on to Walt's situation with cancer. Right. Um, Jerry Burns, by the way. Jerry Burns, yeah. Uh, anyway, that was a very short scene. Do you have anything to say about it? Uh, other than... We're, we're talking about the one where uh, Walt's throwing up, or we're... Not yet. You're not considering that part of the, the same scene. scene. No, we're, we're moving on. Nope. Okay, then now let's go to the part where Walt throws up. He goes to the bathroom, he grabs some pills under the sink... But before he can take him, he, uh, to pull a quote from Badger, Yorks into the toilet. I don't mm-hmm. know how the Peppermint Patty Company would feel about that term. <laughs> yorking. Uh, I've heard horking, but not yorking. Mm. Uh, anyway, while he's bent over the, to- the toilet, he notices that leaves of grass is not where he left it. Right. Which is something he would notice. Definitely. And yeah. so, you know... Is Walt always been this meticulous? So is this scene another subconscious serial killer moment, like where Walt has adopt is assimilated a, a a habit from a foe that he's slain, or is this trying to show us that Walt has always been a Gus like character? I I think it's a little bit of both. I think as an audience, because, we're supposed to recognize that Gus did that yeah. because Walt has not seen him do that. He couldn't. Possibly and just like with the scene that. with Lydia earlier, I mean, that is a total role reversal with uh, Walt in the place of Gus and Lydia in the place of Walt. For sure. Where you roll up on you know his place of business and completely stonewall him. Yeah. So I think it's both, you know? Yeah. Okay. I'm with you. Also, first appearance of Ty, we, we, we talked a lot last season that we didn't get a Tidy Whitey appearance. <laughs> well, technically, since Here this is do. still the same season, uh, Tidy Whitey's have made an appearance in every season of Breaking Bad. Wow. All right. Good stuff. <laughs> uh, so before bed, we get the tidy whitey shot. Walt's searching for his book in the bedroom. Uh, he asks Skylar if she's seen it, and she says no. Walt gets in bed. Uh, he's sure it'll show up somewhere. And he asks Skylar what's wrong with Hank. And that tips him off. He's connecting the dots. He's starting mm-hmm. to. So he's not able to sleep. He's thinking about leaves of grass and Hank. 
He goes outside to look around, and then he's he remembers remembers the tracking device, and he goes and he looks for his uh, tracking device on his car, and he finds one. Mm-hmm. Uh oh, well you're in trouble. He knows he's made another fine performance by Dave P too. Yeah, so. Walt's only option, if you're not crazy Heisenberg, who's going to take it to Hank and say, did you do this? Right. Is to leave it on the car or take it off. Or better yet, plug it in and presumably you (laughs) can delete the trip that you made to Jesse's and then... And then leave it. And then you just leave it on and and, and don't draw attention to yourself and show Hank that you're out of the game. Yeah. Because I wonder... If if Hank had all this circumstantial evidence and he looked at his brother-in-law's vehicle record and for four weeks all he did was yeah. drop Junior off at school, go to the car wash, go home, go to the Quickie Mart or whatever to help, you know, yep. by and large, whatever. Just like Gus did. I wonder if Hank would have still gone forward with the investigation or what he would have or could have done. I mean, there's still uh, a lot hoping, of stuff out there. I mean, yeah. how careful was Skylar when she's laundering some of this money? How careful was she when she rented the shelter, the the you know, the the cash house? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The storage should. How much of this story of the gambling winnings could actually hold up? Like, if Hank goes and investigates where the money to buy a car wash came from in the first place. How long yeah, does that I don't story know, man. hold? Up? I don't know. I, I thought that gambling winnings are hard to fake nowadays because any real like anything over ten thousand dollars you've got to get receipts for exactly. and it's blah blah blah. The IRS. Yeah. 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 So I would think it would be you know, if, if he could always get his brother in law for tax evasion, Al Capone style, if nothing else. <laughs> sure. Because Definitely. I for damn sure Walt doesn't have receipt for that shit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, let's move on. Jesse's sitting in his car at the doghouse, uh, which is actually the same place that he bought the gun back when Tuco yep. was after him. Yep. Uh, he gives a homeless man a stack of cash, and then he drives off throwing stacks out the window like a paperboy. Paperboy style. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, did you play the classic paperboy oh, game? hell yeah. I, if, if, I, if it was a decade ago and I was a mid-20-something, rather mid-30-something... Uh, programmer, I would absolutely make a Paperboy clone <laughs> with with Jesse. Jesse in his red burnt out Tercel, uh, throwing stacks of money. You could have you could have Gus as the Grim Reaper with half of his face blown off. You could have uh, <laughs> Hank in a in a wife beater trying to beat Jesse up. I mean, yeah, that'd be awesome. You'd have crazy ass Tuco. It'd be it'd, it'd be hilarious, man. Definitely. So got to try to hit bums with thousand dollar stacks of bills. <laughs> uh what do you make of all of the dogs in this scene the dog house the dog that is shown in a very close-up shot as jesse starts to drive through the city well uh, I, I and can... knowing that jesse was very prominently featured in that problem dog episode right um i i don't know i can't i feel like i can't get into it without divulging very light spoilers maybe ask me again in the spoiler section okay sounds good so stick around for that, everybody. Uh, we get to the final scene, which is, in my mind, one of the best in Breaking Bad history. Yep. I, I was absolutely floored by this scene. The episode is already pretty good. Yes. Yeah. And this took it over the top. The, so the guys are delivering more evidence to Hank's house when Walt shows up. 
Uh, he enters Hank's garage. And he decides to, uh, well, at first he decides, oh, I'm, I'm going to leave it at that and I'm going to take off. Then Heisenberg takes over. Mm-hmm. Heisenberg says, no, I'm going to confront him with this tracker. Uh, <laughs> and to my complete surprise, Hank's reaction is to shut the garage door behind him and blast him in the face. Yeah. I couldn't believe that. And then he accuses Walt of being Heisenberg, and after denying it, Walt all but all but admits it, I think, and then threatens Hank by telling him to tread lightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you want to say about this scene? Uh, first of all, again, Dean Morris, uh, Dean Norris, rather, monster, total monster. Yeah. Um, I love his, like, you know, Walt, he just wasn't hearing nothing, like, wasn't hearing nothing of it. Walt trying to appeal to his shared sense of family. He's like, damn, like you give a shit about family. And he yeah. just gave and it the, the lit. Yeah. Like, good, I hope you rot, you son of a bitch. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to put you under the prison. I mean, it was just <laughs> cold. Like, and, and like, I don't think Hank could believe it. I mean, the look on his face when he went from kind of embarrassed and like, oh, I don't want him to see this. And, yeah. and when, I mean, that was his certainty when, when Walt pulled that out. Yep. Now, what do you make of the kid with the remote control car in the background? I don't know. I honestly was just expecting it to be a callback to when Marie ran it over. Mm. Uh, and I thought Walt was going to run it over on the way out, but we haven't seen that yet. You know, I thought it's like, is there something to like the servos and the kind of mechanical or is it something like uh, an allusion to Walt being out of control of his own life that he can't help Heisenberg? Notice like it was a yellow car. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Danger. There's Very a danger dangerous. color. Um and the shift, like I said, then the moment where the bizarro Superman, good Superman versus bad Superman moment where bad Superman won mm-hmm. is where Hank said, why don't you bring the kids here and we'll talk. And the tone, the change of voice and fo- vocal expression when that he went from Walt to Heisenberg yeah. was crazy. Yeah, I had actually just watched an interview with Cranston that uh, actually Shep had sent in. I think he went to uh, a an airing of, of some of the episodes and interviews and Brian Cranston, like they asked him like, what, what do you do to get into this role of Heisenberg? And that was one of the things, you know, he, he stands up straighter. He's more confident. He lowers his voice. It's a, uh, a real transformation in his. Yeah. I mean, he can go demeanor. from, it's so funny. Cause when he's in full on white, mo- uh, Walter white mode, like when he's making these absent minded observations and apologies as as Hank's leaving the party. Yeah. He's oh, 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 okay. Oh yeah. And he sounds so <laughs> much like my fucking dad. It's crazy. And then he can go into this like subguttural growl uh and be intimidating as fuck when he's like stand my territory. I'm the one that knocks. I'm the danger. Yeah. You know, tread lightly. It's it's crazy. And you know, I thought it's funny because Bill Simmons um, has never seen Breaking Bad, and he was always livid that every fucking time John Hamm would never get re- recognized in Mad Men, and Brian Cranston always took home the <laughs> Emmys. And he's like, you know what? I'm not even mad anymore. Oh, he finally this watched is, it? He's like, he's like maybe, maybe um, James Gandolfini as Tony Soprano's during the good seasons at the height. Oh, wow. You know, but he's like, this is, other than that, maybe, this is the finest dramatic acting job that he's ever seen. Yeah. And it's hard to argue. I, yeah, I mean, we we just caught a little bit of uh, Mobster Week with The Godfather. Mm-hmm. There's some really good stuff in that, too. I'm not well, I'm, we're talking television. Uh, okay, I, you know. okay, television. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, so I noticed in not only this scene, but... 
all the scenes um, with Hank in them. Hank's limp is really pronounced. It seemed like that had kind of gone away a little bit last season. To an almost unrealistic extent. <laughs> Maybe. But now it's it's back, and it's very pronounced, I think. And it, I don't know, is it there to remind us of this personal toll that it has taken, that Walt uh, and Heisenberg's actions have taken on Hank? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I find that it's something that I'm starting to experience. I'm getting older. Limping uh, around the house. No, well, I mean, yeah, oh, you start waking up back. and you got these pains, you know, and like, you know, most days my pride, like I'm even if I've got a bad, you know, my lower back hurts or, you know, I got some static nerve pain. It's like I still walk straight and I don't limp, you know, walk down the hallways at work and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But like if I'm really fucking tired or something's weighing on me, I don't have the mental cycles to think about, you know, like posture. It's just, you know, you kind of go to where. You know what feels mm. good, and you know your pride be damned. And I just, I think that's a sign of. I mean, look at his. Did you first of all, Dean Norris's fucking facial hair? <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck? It's like he had his five oh, o'clock man. shadow, and someone rubbed cotton on his face, and he uh-huh. just had these like really wispy long hairs. It was insane. Yep. Um, so I think that he's just kind of you know he he, he really exuded the fact of a guy who's been hold up in the dark for four or five days battling very strong personal demons. Absolutely. And the the filming of this scene, the the actual cinematography here was brilliant in my opinion. I mean these really close up shots of these two men. Uh so you can see you can see everything that's going through their face through their minds by mm-hmm. what's on their faces. I mean Dean Norris's eyes in this scene are mesmerizing yeah they like they hate they almost cloud over too they do yes like like he's got this like you know roomy little film over them and they're red rimmed and he's got these it's (laughs) Uh, it's just uh it's amazing like i said i I don't know whether he snorted an ounce of sriracha to do this or what but Uh it's 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 really impressive work and it's also i saw this on reddit um it, it harkens back to the you know the very first episode where Walt's talking about you know chiral forms, mm-hmm. and when you see uh, you know Walt and 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 Hank standing there, you know juxtaposed this you know heroic figure who's you know sacrificed so much personally and his villainous character who has miraculously skated by without losing shit so far. Yeah. Um. I, I'm reminded of 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 that little speech that Walt gave about you know you got these two almost you know very similar but opposite patterns that mm-hmm. play out and you know when we sat down in the first season first episode Walt was this bully he was this buffoon he was this you know fucking frat boy type idiot uh, racist homophobic everything and Walt was this sensitive guy that we identified with we felt for and we root for him. And now, you know, five years later, they've completely switched positions. Absolutely. We've grown to appreciate Hank. We've grown to appreciate his, his intelligence, the fact that he genuinely cares, mm-hmm. uh, his moral. I mean, you know, he he beat the shit out of Jesse. He could have gotten away scot-free just doing the standard cop thing of lying, right? Uh-huh. Apologies yeah. to any cops listening. So, well, someone tried to even convince him to do that, didn't they? Yeah, Gomi. Yeah. And he's like, no, nah, I'm going to take – I did I did wrong. I'm going to take the rap. And that's very commendable um, where Walt doesn't take responsibility for shit, man. No, no. If he can blame it on someone, he's going to. Uh, and, and also along the lines of Hank's transformation, I mean he has uh, – and, and him being – 
racist and everything we saw at the beginning of the series, he's now been to like Texas and he's seen the things that they are worried about there. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's gotten kind of this glimpse outside of his bubble and it's Mm -hmm. really changed him. It has really changed him. Yeah. Uh, I like that a lot. And the other thing about this scene, I just got done podcasting about falling skies where I complained many, many times about the swelling soundtracks over these, Somewhat dramatic scenes, uh-huh. making them feel melodramatic, too uh-huh. dramatic. Uh-huh. They play this completely dead silent. Yeah. They are whispering in this scene. Yeah. And it just works perfectly. Uh-huh. And that's all I have to say about the episode. Yeah, when you got the heavy-duty firepower going off, you don't need to draw attention to it. Absolutely. And you shouldn't. You shouldn't. Anything else? Or should we get to uh, some pimping and then some feedback? Uh, I believe we can do that. Um, so the next segment's kind of special. We One of the uh, top-tier Kickstarter rewards were uh, one, air, uh, one minute of airtime. And our first sponsor is none other than Jason and Sion Shankle from the Nattercast. Um, if you listen to our podcast, you know Jason is one of the most thoughtful, interesting, and funny commentators that we've had. In fact... We fucking shout him out for free half dozen times per season anyway. I, I, I feel like I need to sit and explain to him the economics of the situation, that you're paying for something that we essentially do for free, but, you know. This time we'll actually give out the link to his his blog and his podcast. How about that? Um, but anyway, they're, they're, you can find them at nattercast.com, first of all. Um, they are uh, run out of uh, San Francisco. Jason and Sion are independent filmmakers, writers, and critics – and I can tell from their podcast and their commentary around these parts. Um, I'm a member of their community. I stop by and make comments from time to time. They've got a great working knowledge of their craft. I mean, yeah. Jim and I are just fans. Babe. We're guys that watch a shitload of and television. We're, we're from Indiana. We're from India. We don't know Come our on. shit. You know, we're not from fucking <laughs> cosmopolitan San Francisco. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Jason and Sion are. Yeah, and, and they and they know their shit. They and they bring that to their their coverage. Uh, they currently do a per-episode coverage of Breaking Bad, uh, Sans- Sons of Anarchy, uh, Game of Thrones. They also do like occasional drive-by type coverage of Mad Men, House of Cards, American Horror Story as the mood strikes them. Again, check them out at nattercast.com. Uh, I'd like to also encourage everyone to check out their Facebook fan page because uh, they're they're really involved in uh, community. Like, they, they, it's kind of the same way we are. It's like you know we try to give a lot of airtime to our fans. They, you know, have guest hosts and stuff. Um, you can see, go there at uh, facebook.com slash nattercast. They also have a group where everyone can participate at facebook.com slash groups slash nattercast. Uh, again, their show features a number of guest casters, a lot of uh, community crossover and synergy between the Bald Move family and them. They've got a lot of the commentators or guest hosts over there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, again, they're highly oriented towards building community with their listeners. They're available on iTunes, Stitcher, and RSS feed available at the website, which is, again, nattercast.com. Nattercast, television worth talking about. So thank you. Thank you, Jason, for uh, sponsoring this podcast. Maybe Jason should explain the economics of this situation to us because we just gave him, like, three minutes. Oh, really? (laughs) Fuck! (laughs) One more time, uh, shout out his URL and tell people how to spell that. Nattercast.com, N-A-T-T-E-R-C-A-S-T.com. Okay, great. Thank you for that, Jason. All right. Uh, 
real quick on our, of course, we're part of the Bald Move Network. You can find everything that we do at baldmove.com. Uh, don't forget our affiliates, the Personal Arrogance Crew. Uh, they talk about beard, board games, video games, movies, sports, pop culture, sperm whales. Check out our uh, Facebook page at baldmove.com. Slap, or shit. Facebook.com slash baldmove. They're doing a really awesome pub crawl the week of PAX, which is the uh, late Labor Day weekend, Saturday night. It starts at the Mox, um, which is a famous uh, gaming uh, slash bar area. Uh, it's been, Didn't they move it to Card Kingdom? Oh, Card Kingdom. I'm sorry. That's what the bar is called inside of it. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, but it's, it's, at, it's at Card Kingdom. Uh, it's going to be Lovecraftian theme. There's already been there's already been like 75 people confirmed to come. It's going to be fun and games. Uh, or you can you can win a copy of Arkham Horror and a bunch of other Cthulhu uh, theme stuff. If you want to meet Jim and I and Eric and Jesse and some of the other crew, uh, check that out. Uh, also check out the Because Show. Amy, Gerilyn. And Susan uh, talking about women's issues, relationships, sex, books, makeup. Uh, I'm going to be doing a guest uh, spot with them uh, probably this weekend where we're going to talk about Orange is the New Black. So if you want to check that out, uh, again, at baldmove.com. And finally, up yours downstairs, uh, Kelly and Tom Breakdown, Downton Abbey, Mr. Selfridge, all your uh, Anglophile entertainment. Uh, Leave us reviews on iTunes. Use our Amazon affiliate link at amazon.baldmove.com. Uh, and tell a friend about baldmove.com. Uh, that's all ways you can help support our cast and grow our network. And we appreciate everything you guys do. Absolutely. And now we're going to turn the mics over to y'all. Um, I asked uh, if someone could get, clue me in on how much the Schrader's home would cost in Albuquerque. Um, you know, just out of idle curiosity on the instant cast. Uh, Rachel Ann Merchant and also LP through email emailed me because we had a couple of Albuquerqueans. Um, actually speculate that it would be up to, you know, a million dollars, maybe $2 million. It's yeah. actually on the market right now. <laughs> um, you can, okay. you can see a listing of it. It's, it's current list price is $622,000. Is that the Breaking Bad fan price or is that, I think just that's just, rate? that's just the cold hard, uh, oh, they the need iron to bump price. That up, man. That's seven twenty five because it's been in breaking. Guess bad. what the mortgage payment is? Oh no, uh, three thousand nine hundred forty five dollars. So yeah, before you bump the price right. up any, that's and and again, I, I I don't know. I mean, I I wonder if that's going to pay because they have this they they've they've had this lavish lifestyle and she's planning the trips to Europe and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that's going to be a bone of contention between you know Marie and Hank? That, that he you know, can't that if supply he, the lifestyle that Walt's supplying for Skyler. N- well, no, that that when when she's going to be there, it's like you know all the money that the Whites have given to them, mm-hmm. and the fact that this could jeopardize his career. You know, the way Mar- do you think that Marie's going to be that big of a heel? Do you think she's going to be supportive? Do you think she's going to be shocked? Oh, when she finds out that Hank yeah, Walt is Heisenberg. Uh, I think she will be incredulous. I don't. I don't think she will believe at first, um, because really, like we talked about in the preview cast, or sorry, not in the preview, in the instant cast, uh, the only evidence here is evident to Walt or to Hank, not to anybody else, right? He, they haven't seen this stuff. They haven't right. connected those dots. Well, it's like Linda said too, and, and I alluded in the uh, instant cast. I'm not. She says I'm not sure that Hank can turn. Walt in without being a suspect himself. It was Walt's drug money that paid mm-hmm. for his expensive rehab. 
Walt's family was there at the Hanks home being protected by the DEA while Walt was bombing a nursing home. Walt's children and family lived safe and secure at Hank and Marie's while Walt added to his big pile of money and pulled off the prison killings. Will anyone believe he didn't have a clue that his brother-in-law was Heisenberg? That's yeah. what I'm saying. That If you look at this through a different filter, not knowing what we know, Hank starts looking like Walt's muscle. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, about right. And it's almost like, you know, his way over the top persecution of Gus Fring kind of is starting to look like a, a frame job, mm, right? Yeah. Uh, Michael P. says, I have a few ideas on what could possibly get Hank to at least listen to what Walt has to say. One, Walt was afraid for his life because of Gus. Uh, two, Walt had Saul in the car, uh, a call in the thread on Hank's life to keep Hank safe from Gus. Three, Walt could blame a lot of it on the fact that he was trying to protect Jesse, including Jane's death as an example of how far he would go to protect the people that he cares about. Um, do you think that any of that would make a difference to Hank? No. Because? I, I think there is nothing but hatred uh, in Hank's heart for Walt at this point. Yeah. he's He's gone too far. Right. Um, Cynthia Brooks said, uh, wonders who's more difficult to work for Matthew Weiner, Vince Gilligan, David Simon, or David Chase. Uh, she Who, linked, who's David Chase? Uh, shit. You would have to ask me that you fucker. <laughs> Cause I don't know either. Um, I believe I'll, he's I'll the guy that did in, NYPD blue. Oh, okay. And something else. Was he also responsible for Oz? Um, anyway, writer of the Sopranos of oh, Sopranos. Yep. There you go. Oh yeah. And Dave, of course, David Simon's the wire. Um, Obviously, yeah. uh, NPR did a interesting segment and interview on them. I'm going to link that in our show notes. Um, it's an interview with Brett Martin. It's interesting cause he wrote a book very similar to, uh, Alan Suppenwall. Alan, in, uh, did the 12, uh, top dramas of the golden age of television. Mm-hmm. He did the top five anti-heroes of the golden age, huh, uh, okay. where he goes into Don Draper, Tony Soprano, etc. Um, so I'm going to link that if you're interested just offhand from the interviews I've seen, Vince Gilligan seems like the nicest guy ever. He does. And I know <laughs> a lot of that is his Southern accent and kind of his like good old boy charm, but he does. I mean, I've yet to hear anyone say a bad thing about him, mm-hmm. and he seems a lot more relaxed about the whole process than some of these other guys do. Uh, Nina says, this is not my theory. A friend sent me this early today, but I kind of like it. Uh, in the opening scene of season five, when it's Walt's birthday, he's eating the diner alone. He arranges his bacon to make it show his age, just like Skyler did. He's also using a fake ID with Skyler's maiden name. My theory, Walt takes on the characteristics of the people he kills, and in that scene at the beginning of Season 5, it's a flash forward in which he's already killed Skyler. It's not a bad theory. Nah. It's not bad. Pretty, pretty strong. Yep. Um, someone, I, I fucking accidentally deleted this email. Um, <laughs> I will try to give you credit next week. But someone also emailed us a, shot, a, shot, a side-by-side comparison of Walt's wardrobe in the flash forward and from an earlier season, Jesse. And they're wearing almost identical styled military jackets. Yeah. Is it possible (laughs) that this is yet another trophy that Walt is using in in his serial killer ways? Absolutely it's possible. Uh, Or is it possible that's supposed intended to be the actual jacket that he is wearing as a memento of his son that he lost? Absolutely that's possible. (laughs) Um, Interesting things to think about. All right. Well, I'm going to interrupt here with a voicemail. Go for it. What do you think about that? I need a break. All right. Here we go. Uh, this voicemail is from uh, Aaron. He doesn't give any more information than that, so let's see what he has to Not say. Not me. 
Hi, this is Aaron calling. I liked your uh, new instant take, Kat, so thanks very much for that. Uh, my only comment was I was actually kind of bummed out that uh, Walter's cancer is back because I felt like, um, you know, oh, no, like like now, now it doesn't matter really because in six months it will all be, all be over. But then I realized as I was thinking about it that, on the other hand, it also gives him nothing left to lose. I mean, essentially – uh, you know, he doesn't really care about his own life anymore. He just cares about those, about his family and Jesse. So he might, he might go way, way, way farther um, than he was ever willing to before. I thought his threat to uh, Hank at the end was interesting, where it's, you don't know me. And it kind of was like, you know, maybe, maybe we don't know him. Maybe we don't know the depths to which this guy can sink. So, all in all, I thought it was a very interesting choice, and I'll be interested to see how it plays out. But thanks very much. I think it would actually be fitting if um, Walt ends up like he did when they uh, they had been cooking for a while. Then they had to use all of their money, and they were left with nothing. Yeah. Uh, I think it would be fitting for him to be right back where he started at the beginning of all this, except without his family. That's mm. the price. He, he was ostensibly trying to do this for his family though he got wrapped up in it and that became his no longer his primary motivation uh and now he's back at the beginning again except this time there's no family he has cancer he has no money and now he's got nothing left to lose right just like aaron said thanks for the email or for the voicemail aaron uh sa rana said uh hank ends up uh the theory is hank ends up going a vigilante route uh, I reckon that as Hank nears the end of his investigation, info will leak to Declan or Todd's uncle uh, that Walt is going down, leading to a price being put on Walt's head. Walt's family will probably suffer horrendously, and Hank will go on a rampage against whoever did this, causing him to be captured by the real bad guys. The scene we see in Flash Forward in 501 is actually Walt going to save Hank, Ooh. as he is now his only family left and is still unaware it's because of Hank. His family is dead. I like that, too. So that that is that is a very it. strong prediction, and it's the first time I've seen you know Walt redeeming Hank kind of in a way. Yeah. Alex says I have a prediction for last season. I don't know if anyone else has already made it. Todd is jealous of Jesse, and when he sees him together with Walt, he will kill him with his tarantula. Walt <laughs> will take revenge and kill Todd and his nasty uncle just for good measure. Uh, unless he dies of anaphylactic shock, I don't think that will work. Tarantulas are actually not very lethal, Ooh. but. Right. I do think Todd is jealous of Jesse, and he is kind of a murderous. Seems like I have a, a murderous psychopathic streak in him. <laughs> you, you think? Uh huh. <laughs> His uncle did a good job. I just hope Jesse doesn't buy a dirt bike or he's in trouble. <laughs> Lonnie says, over the past few weeks, I've watched the entire series and re-listened to all your Breaking Good podcasts again. I want to make a couple observations. Have you noticed that as the seasons and podcast podcasts progress, Aaron's dialect becomes more pronounced? <laughs> Pronounced in Hank-like, it's adorable. Point of fact, <laughs> Dean Norris is from South Bend, Indiana, he so is. it would not surprise me at all to find that we have a similar regional diction. Uh, she, uh, they also say he, Lonnie's a he, yeah. Will we ever find out Walt's Junior's or who Walt Junior's friend Lewis is? He's been around for the entire series, and it would be awesome if he turned out to have some dispositive uh, or otherwise profound impact on the show. It would be interesting if, in you know, we've always said Walt Flynn Jr. needs to try the blue stuff. Sure. Um, to really 
uh, just like Tony Montana had to lose his sister and, you know, get her all mixed up and stuff for him to like, you know, fully fall, um, and, and, and go full Scarface, I guess. Uh, we, yeah. I mean, do, do we need to see that? Is that interesting? Is this, uh, 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 Lewis going to be part of that? Do you think? Uh, maybe, maybe. I mean, I, in what capacity would, would Walt Jr. Maybe turn on his father if he, if something happened to Lewis because of him? Is be, that what you're getting at? I, no, I was thinking that like maybe Lewis supplies him with the blue stuff. Oh, gives Walt Jr. the blue stuff. Yeah, because there must have been something a little off about yeah. them, I thought. Um, it'd also be interesting if... Um, God, I always feel like a ghoul when I'm talking about kids on these shows. But it would be dramatically interesting if uh, Walt Jr.'s reaction on finding his dad as Heisenberg was to seek out the blue stuff and try it for himself as a form of rebellion. Because, hmm. oh my God. We know. That is going to be like he... Uh, Poor Walt Jr. When he finds out his dad is Heisenberg, <laughs> yeah. uh, that is going to be such a shock to his world and completely reevaluate what he thought he knew about his mother and his dad and yeah. their relationship. Whew, it's uh, it's be... exactly what Skyler has been trying to prevent the entire time. Yes. Yes. And something that Walt doesn't even fucking think about. Yeah. Uh, Richard says Hank will end up with blood on his hands. Heisenberg is his white whale and he will go over the edge in his pursuit. Walt Jr. will kill Walt. If Walt dies, it has to be on the hands of someone close. Walt's final despicable act will be the corruption of Walt Jr.'s soul to the point that Jr. kills him. <laughs> Woo. That, that's a lot of ground to cover in seven episodes. Plus, it's like how... Right? Like, so, so Walt goes to his old house... Mm-hmm. And gets a rice, and he's got the machine gun. He blows somebody away, and then Junior hobbles up and he blows away a... Lewis. <laughs> and Walt Junior takes offense. It's going to be like the end of Wanted, where Angelina Jolie curves a bullet and kills everybody in the, in the head of the single bullet. Uh, Graham says, "Is it just me, or was Skyler's line to Walt Junior? Since bowling is off tonight." You are spared from a night at the family. It's supposed to be a subtle bowling pun. Uh, waka waka. Uh, after watching the instant take, I'll try to explain Walt's reason for not telling Skylar about his cancer being back. In season 5A, Skylar told Walt she is waiting for the cancer to come back and kill him. Now it's back. At this point, she seems to be content with having him around now that they're both living normal lives again. Walt feels telling her would ruin that. That's a strong point. Yeah. That became a very touchy, painful subject. Uh... And, uh, yeah, I could see him maybe want... I mean, it's still bullshit, but I could see his thought process there. Steve says, leave it to Breaking Bad to use the term parsec in the proper context. Take note, Lucas. <laughs> Overall, though, I thought the scene with Pete and Badger could have been severely shortened or perhaps omitted together. altogether. It seemed like a waste of time with everything else going on. First of all, Steve, bite your fucking tongue. That was a brilliant scene. Second, how will you feel if it turns out some of these crazy theories are true and this does have some deeper foreshadowing meaning? Huh? Yeah. Um, I think it will. I- I'm really on board. That are train. you really? Yeah, okay. Definitely. I'm half on board. Okay. I've I've got my foot, one foot on the boarding platform, one foot on the, the train. Uh, Ryan in Salt Lake City says, I'm wondering if you guys heard the sound that I heard. I know I heard the ubiquitous ticking clock sound faintly in the last few seconds of the episode. Which is really cool. We talked about this a lot last season. That was a recurring motif yeah. of you know, kind of the time running out. 
Um, I also think I heard it just before the homeless dude approaches Jesse's car to ask for money. If so, I'm pretty sure this is foreshadowing. There's a major and catastrophic reckoning on the way between Jesse and Walt. That is for sure. Hmm. Um, I did not notice the clock ticking noise, but it I, I mean, it was all throughout everywhere last season. And I've heard many people mention it. Uh, I didn't pick it out either, but some people have. I heard a lot of people say, and I didn't catch this either, when Hank opened the sliding glass door, there was like an, almost an airlock sound. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, that was his, his natural gas being released out <laughs> into the wild. Dylan says, I think that Jesse has officially broken good. Maybe too good throwing, uh, maybe too good throwing the money out the window and giving the homeless man 10 grand. Do you think that all that money will come back to bite him in the ass? Or maybe it'll be like when Walt said he tried to burn his money when he gets home, he's going to realize he wants it and then go on an Easter egg hunt. Fingerprints all over that money, right? I don't know how well cash sure says but but it seems like that this is going to draw a lot of attention oh yeah this well, will be on the news the next day for yes sure. and walt is going to get wind of that yes is my guess yeah and 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 again this you know i don't know how you can track money or if it's even possible but it's definitely going to raise some fucking eyebrows yeah uh logan says i was just curious if either of you noticed changes in color this episode we talked about this a little bit in the recap he continues, usually that would be nothing, but color plays such a large part in the show that it seems pertinent to mention. In the beginning of the episode, Skylar uh, was in blue while Marie was in yellow. Marie being in yellow really got my attention, seeing as her usual shade is purple. Could this mean we're due for a change in Marie's character this season? Uh, it'd be interesting to see how her, she reacts to Hank. And also, again, I, I kind of like the Reddit theory that it's a signal for caution and, and kind of danger. Yeah. Uh, most intriguing though is Hank's shirt when he's putting the pieces of Walt's deception together. We have never seen them before in such colors: a dark blue with maroon trim, uh, Delbert Mountains, five mountain peaks against a sky blue backdrop. This change in his normal outfit seems intentionally egregious, and I believe it means something. If only I knew what. That's the thing about this color <laughs> stuff is, yeah, you know, Vince has gone on record as saying it does mean something. He does pay a lot of attention to it, but I'll be damned if I know what. I hope when this is all over, he comes out and does a full interview on it, you know? I think it's more like Batman style. Like, you've got colors that are associated with certain characters and certain roles. Not so much that green means greed and purple means that, I mean, you've, it's kind of like the Joker wears purples and greens and oranges. And Batman wears blacks and grays. And the joke, you know, yeah. Riddler wears green and black and et cetera, et cetera. I think it's more of that than you really have real meaning although like i said we carried that torch for a lot uh for a, a good while in season four definitely evan, evan. Nope, nope i'm busting in with uh -oh. our final voicemail good here we go Need another break uh, this one is from james fc in alexandria virginia and here's what he has to say hi guys uh james fc from alexandria virginia thanks again for expanding your coverage of breaking bad uh, one of the great things about Breaking Bad is the way it shows how everyone gets from point A to point B. Uh, you can observe and make sense of the steps that characters take and understand the consequences they bring on themselves. Uh, the Villigans shared in a Daily Beast interview from today that they had to have Hank find out about Walt so early in the last eight episodes because they've got a lot of story to tell and very little time in which to tell it. Does this sprint to the finish make you nervous that they might abandon that careful storytelling style and leave out steps that affect the quality of these final eight? Or will the rule of cool always overpower those potential weaknesses? Put another way, 
How would you know when the rule of cool was broken? Thanks again, guys. Uh, really appreciate your hard work on this. Bye. Okay, what do you think about that? Well, James, I'll know it's not. I'll know when the rule of cool has failed when it's not cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like one of those things that you can kind of know know it when you see it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Pacific Rim showed me that you can push the rule of cool pretty fucking far yeah. as long as you deliver on the cool. Um, that said, I I do not worry about the pace of this show anymore. I, I have been conditioned by the Villigan not to worry about it. And yes, it seems fast, but I think. Season one seemed fast. Uh, season two seemed fast. All, all of Breaking Bad has seemed faster paced than a normal show to me. So I don't worry about it. Yeah, and I think that he learned his lesson with the uh, Lily of the Valley and kind of playing fast and loose and that our, our uh, we as an audience expect more than that. Obviously, that didn't derail season four, but he's had a whole year to know how he gets to the diner where Walt buys a machine gun and yeah. goes to his and, and and he's had a whole year to plot these eight episodes. And for him going for the throat with Hank from the first episode tells me he knows that he doesn't have time to dick around and that he's gonna go yeah. full throttle and this is going to be an epic thrill ride. And yeah, I gotta say that I you know, obviously I was super nervous in the preseason coverage and in uh but but I just felt all that distress melt away. Now, will I be a little uh, antsy if, uh, you know, we go through the traditional two-episode kind of like come down, lull, peace setting thing? I don't – I mean, one thing that's been great about these last couple seasons is we've pared down to pieces to the bare fucking minimum. Yeah, you've got Declan. He's not really a big bad. Yeah, you've got Lydia. It's Hank. It's Walt. It's Jesse. It's Skylar. Uh and I'm not convinced it stays that way. No, I mean, obviously state. there's going to be other pressures, but we don't yeah. have a Gus. We don't have a Tuco. We don't have, yeah. you know, we, we, we've got it very narrowed down to who our final characters are. And, and no, I, I, uh, again, I might reserve judgment if the next two weeks kind of slow down a little bit, but right now I think it's being paced perfectly. Okay. Uh, Evan has a couple of quotes from uh, 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 the past and present. He says, Walt the Hank, you and I both know I would never see the inside of a jail sale. Is this some red meat for the Walt takes the rice and diehards? You're one of them, uh, Jim. Mm. What do you think? Uh, no, honestly, that theory went out the window as soon as I saw him taking actual pills for his illness. And the uh, fact because that he... it was mostly predicated on the flash forward that we saw at the beginning of season five, uh, where he took a pill kind of surreptitiously. And you know it can't be the ricin because he didn't have it in his possession at that point. Exactly. Because he didn't have the guns, which means he didn't have the ricin. So. But he says, and, and I, why else would you retrieve some poison when you have a machine gun? Is he going to slip Declan a spike burrito, then blast him in a Swiss cheese? <laughs> That's a fair point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know that. I don't know. I, I still kind of hold out hope with the Walt as ricin as like a suicide pill to make sure he doesn't go to jail kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm go ahead. Uh, no, I was just I was saying maybe. You think working at Vomino's Pests would teach Jesse a thing or two about killing cockroaches? Remember Walt? Uh, uh, remember Hank to Walt Jr. about a shootout with Tuco? A cockroach comes out from under a fridge. What do you do? I mean, you don't think about it. You stomp them down. Uh, Shoot it with a grenade launcher. <laughs> which is that's apt in the final scene where that was Hank's reaction to Walt Jr. Or I mean, the, the Walt Senior. 
So yeah. that's kind of – I thought that was some interesting parallels and analysis. Yep. Uh, ben wonders, how does a GPS tracker like that work? Uh, is it transmitting information to Hank the entire time or oh, did Hank need boy. to remove the tracker? We actually have a, oh. a listener whose name – his uh, bitter ex-husband is his nom de plume. <laughs> oh, no. He says, I wish I didn't know about these GPS trackers firsthand, but I do. The unit Walt found in his car can track for about two weeks and must be retrieved at the information and information downloaded via USB port. Then you can determine where your whore of a cheating wife, I mean Walt, has been. <laughs> Woo! I, sorry, man. Still some heat. Jeez. Still some heat coming off of that guy. Yeah. Uh, ben also wonders, are we 100% certain that Hank placed a tracker? I feel like it was left slightly ambiguous. There's certainly other people who might want to keep tabs on Walter. What about Lydia? We know Lydia is no stranger to the tracking business. That's a fair point. I mean, we are not 100% certain of that, but it is the same type, um, which Walt pointed out. And that's a bizarro reaction for Hank to have if he didn't plant that tracker. Yeah, I think so. Um, Uh, The other thing I wanted to bring up here is a lot of people sent an email saying, like, uh, telling me specifically, oh, like this thing doesn't transmit. Has, Hank has to go get it. I know that. I know that. That's how it worked the first time. Yeah, uh, I think people they I, took it. They took my meaning all wrong when I was talking about it. Instant cast and uh, mine too, because I mentioned that, like you know, we were talking about reasons why you just couldn't leave it on the cars. Exactly. I said that that you know he'd find out about Jesse, meaning that he would go pick it up and find and find out about yes Jesse. retroactively. I yeah I, yeah, I apologize for confusion there. Sure. Uh, Andrew says Skylar will be killed by Lydia or someone associated with her. In an interview, Laura Frazier said Lydia is cold, brutal, and calculated. Skylar made herself noticed in this episode to Lydia at that and actually humiliated her. Uh, Lydia won't let that go. Dangerous, Skylar. Dangerous move, I think. Lydia is the danger <laughs> on season six, five B, whatever. Daniel WB, professional podcast critic, said. The Hank actor has upped his acting chops, but his character banning all police protocols by stealing the book and tracking Walt's ride seemed foolish given the new open and shut status of the case. Agree or disagree? Um, I kind of agree. I mean, this this goes back to when he beat the crap out of Jesse. I mean, this that certainly it's ruined his, his investigation there. And yes, he's a hell of a lot less close to Jesse than he is to Walt. Absolutely. And I think he feels deep down in his bones that... He can build a case with Walt. I mean, I mean, there's got to be money. There's got to be other connections that he can overturn. He's just wanting to be damn sure. Yeah. Because unlike Walt, he really does care about family, and he doesn't want to destroy it on some mere whim. That's why he spent – I mean, that's why he did all this due diligence and let's try and prove himself, in my mind. Um, he also can't quite understand the hysterics over the drop in meth quality. If nothing else in the last three decades of drug movies have shown – that flooding the market with high parade products to hook the end user only to cut potency for the same price is a proven business strategy. <laughs> as depicted, the typical meth head does not strike me as a particularly discriminating when it comes to his or her high. That's honestly one of the biggest problems of Breaking Bad, right? It's got this fictionalized scenario where drug, drug dealers, dealers give a shit about the quality of the product. Sh- I mean, I can see that. You know, for certain drugs, the economics, if you have something that's more potent, you can cut it and spread it thinner for the same profit margin. Mm-hmm. But usually, you know, you know, drug dealers are all about stepping on their goddamn product. And meth is not like a high-end designer drug. Oh, yeah. No kidding. It's not your LSDs, your Mollies, your MDMAs, or whatever. Uh, your, even your cocaine, for God's sakes. 
Um, Alan says, in thinking about episodes last night, I was wondering if it's possible that Walt was somehow faking the return of his cancer and taking chemo, even though he does really not need it. Uh, I know it's crazy, but it might be part of some larger exit strategy. Why would he do that? I was going to ask to what end, like, like he, Skyler. I mean, and no hide one's... it from his family. Yeah. I, it would be one thing if he were displaying it openly, yes, and try to convince people that he did have cancer. Which yes, in fact, but to pretend you have cancer in the mirror is mm-hmm. pointless. You know. Yes. Yes. Now, now maybe when he told Hank, maybe he's planting seeds with Skyler to notice. Oh yeah, he has been acting funny, but Hank doesn't give a shit. Right. Hank wants him dead. Right. Uh, Mark from Milwaukee says, I think a spinoff of Saul would be excellent if handled properly. I've long thought about the constant mention of this alleged spinoff was a ruse to throw us off the scent of Saul's death. That can still happen. What if the spinoff went back in time before he got hooked up with Mike, his dealings with Mike and subsequently Gus, and took us right through the events of Walt and Jesse from Saul's POV would leave the potential for cameo uh, appearances by Cranston, Paul, and Gunn and bring back to bring back on a permanent basis three of the show's most beloved characters, Saul, Mike, and Gus. I love this idea. What do you think? I said that uh, I don't really like the idea of a Saul spinoff, and I'm sticking by it. I, I'm just not that interested in the character of Saul other than, you know, being dressing on the salad that is Breaking Bad. It's a really lame analogy. <laughs> <laughs> also, Mark, uh, I was smug as hell to receive your email. just want to let you know. Uh, Aaron says, Skyler will be turned... Skyler will double-cross Hank and tip Walt off on an imminent arrest like Hank did for Mike. Hank will find out and get her busted for taxes. Uh, tax evasion with Vinicky and Walt. She goes to jail. Declan, Lydia, and Todd's gang will meanwhile be after Walt to come back. They'll kidnap and eventually kill Jesse. Walt will then kill Hank, then disappear, change identity. He blows off cancer treatments, shows humanity after Jesse's death. Vows revenge, comes back later with the rice and a machine guns blazing for the final showdown. He wins, kills everyone like Scarface, then later dies of cancer. Oh, I've got a theory. Better call Saul spins off with Badger and Skinny Pete as the new kingpins. <laughs> <laughs> I've got an idea that might support this theory. Go for it. Have you ever thought about a ricin-coated bullet? If the bullet doesn't get him, the ricin will. And who would ever look for that? This seems like the ice, the the infamous ice bullet, <laughs> exactly. In like Encyclopedia Brown shit. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, yeah, we could guess all day what's going to happen. I just really don't know. Right on. Uh, Aaron wonders, or Erin rather wonders, when we all start getting super granular about the show, I can't help but wonder if we cross the line and reading too much into things, yeah. or Vince is simply that good. Uh little column a little column b probably, <laughs> probably. honestly in the badger slash skinny pete slash star trek theme scene they're essentially describing two guys in yellow and one in blue kirk quits Chekhov tries to cheat and is killed because of it and only spock is left standing it almost feels too easy to start drawing parallels but i'd love to hear your take on it i think we gave that concept justice this, this blends in the color motif with the star trek motif but i don't really have anything more to say well you said in the scene where they're out on the patio that's Marie and uh, Walt are both wearing yellow, and Skyler is in blue, right? Yeah. Uh oh. Mm. Skyler's going to be the one left standing. No, mm. I, don't, I don't know about that. She's going she to also pack away the pie. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, maybe season three, Skyler. Uh, she was pregnant. Give her a break. See, I, I don't know. Um, last <laughs> thing. Hate mail. Right. Last thing. What could be the symbolism for Jesse lying under the table? It feels foreshadowy to me. The next episode is called Buried. 
Ugh. Then again, I saw someone mention on Reddit that cockroaches survive everything, so let's hope that's the case. Do you think this is kind of like a crawl space moment? Uh, us looking at him through a glass box, kind of like Sleeping Beauty or Snow White or whoever the fuck <laughs> Disney princess did that? Uh, I'm not familiar with your example, but <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it certainly could be foreshadowing. Again, it's so hard to say what is and isn't before we actually get there, you know? Uh, Justin speculates everyone seems to be predicting a Walter White suicide mission in Flight Forward, but a man who doesn't value his life doesn't take medication to get better. Yeah. Tom I, G. also had a problem with the uh, building onto that with the timeline, because Walt says he only has six months to live, but in mm-hmm. the season one premiere, it implies that a year has gone pa- by, right? Yeah. You know, I didn't take... Uh, Walt's six months to live as a literal a literal six months. I took it as they don't give me very much time, right. but he's fighting like hell, so maybe he can prolong it a little bit. You know, um, Diamond Rattler has a long take about how <laughs> uh, basically I'm going to condense it. He goes, "Man, every episode I watch, I dislike Jesse more and more." Dude is a little bitch, crying all the damn time. It's blood money. Wah. Yeah, bitch. Ever since you cooked your first batch of meth, it's been blood money. I swear this dude needs to go join the Peace Corps or some shit. Uh, why's awful. he got a bitch, man? Bitches can be loyal. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's basically, he concludes, uh, this Jesse kid needs to have his head examined for trying to mess with the beast. War Heisenberg until the very end. <laughs> Uh, he's not having any of this uh, not rooting for Walt bullshit. Yeah, apparently not at all. Uh, this is interesting. Nick says, I work in L.A., and a co-worker friend of mine said he ran into Aaron Paul at a movie theater about a month ago. Now, get get this. This is a friend of a friend of a listener, okay? Mm-hmm. So take this what you will, but I'm going to present it as, as reality. Uh, he said he's a really big fan of Aaron's work on Breaking Bad. Aaron was cordial and said thanks. He then chatted very briefly for a couple of minutes and somehow got on the topic of the final episode of the series. Now, here's where it gets interesting. My coworker conjectured about how it all ends, and Aaron got visibly passionate about the matter and said, you're going to be angry when it's over. You're going to want to throw something. And my coworker was telling me how interesting it was to him that Aaron himself seemed very angry, almost like he didn't agree with how it all ends. Now, this could all be nothing, but I wouldn't. I thought I'd pass this along because today I was listening to your preview show, and you said that... Vince Gilligan said the ending would be polarizing. Sure enough, Aaron Paul's comments would seem to agree with that sentiment. Hmm. That's that's pretty interesting. I mean, yeah, it's it's hearsay at the moment. But how long are we running, man? Because I've still got uh, hour fifty. Oh my god! And we still have <laughs> some 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 light spoiler stuff. Yeah, we do. Uh, all right, uh, I'm gonna have to start skipping people. Uh, Joe, who I believe is a lawyer, based on his tag of Esquire. Says, I wrote on your Facebook wall that Whitman book wouldn't be available to the DEA at trial, given that Hank stole it from the bathroom. I'm reconsidering this, given that the plain view doctrine that states that an officer is allowed to take readily incriminating evidence without a warrant, so long as the officer is legally in the place in which they take the evidence. Which brings us back to a question from last season. Should it be illegal to take a dump in a relative's on suite <laughs> bathroom? I think oh it should God. be. Your thoughts. No, no. I don't give a shit. I'm saying as a brother-in-law myself, I would not hesitate to drop Deuce in my sister's master bathroom and and have on occasion. I already know this about you. Uh, He (laughs) said that as a a side note, I'm representing a meth distributor in Miami, and I'm constantly playing Breaking Bad in my head while he tells me the facts. I want to shake him and tell him that he should have been watching his show since he obviously didn't do too good of a job or else my services wouldn't be needed. 
uh, kind of like liar, liar. Quit breaking the law, asshole. Better call Joseph. Better call Joe. <laughs> um, skipping around. Michael says Hank and Walt confronting each other so soon in the season sets up a dynamic that's parallel to season four. That season was a chess match between Walt and Gus from Box Cutter to the start of Face Off at the end. This season will be the same with Walt and Hank, which ought to make a family get together even more awkward than Jesse having dinner with the White family. You really think it's going to be that kind of... I feel like this is going to be over like on now, like on episode four. It's very possible with the rate that they're moving at. But, you know, this is what I've really wanted to see, basically the entire series. And I understand they've had to build up there. Uh, and I want to see it kind of prolonged. Right on. Uh, that's, I've got a couple more, but we need to, we need to get the outro and spoilers where I'm, I'm losing okay. my voice, man. Absolutely. Uh, if you want to continue the torrent of emails and feedback, please do so at breakinggood at baldmove.com. You can also follow us on facebook.com slash baldmove to get on our weekly, uh, live, uh, episode threads. And also... You can follow Jim on Twitter, at BaldMove. Again, it's the best way. If you want to know the second that our episodes drop, uh, follow us there. Um, and that's all I got. We're ready for spoilers, unless you've got something else. Nope, that's it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And join us next week for another episode. And until then, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. See you in the spoilers. We're back. We went ahead and watched the uh, preview for next week. Don't There's, have. I, I, first of all, I don't have a lot of spoiler stuff. Certainly, no megawatt spoilers um, this week. Okay. I don't know if it's because I didn't read them, and uh, Jesse B was like "fuck you guys," or if he doesn't have them or what. But uh, uh, it seemed it was extraordinarily popular. My decision to post them on the site and not read them because a lot of people apparently. Would rather not hear those kind of spoilers, myself included. Yeah. Um, and they, but they can't help themselves, kind of like me. Yep. So I think I'll continue to do that unless I hear a bunch of uh, takes to the contrary. Um, a summary for this episode: next week's episode, buried is Skyler's. Uh, why Skyler's past catches up with her. Walt covers his own tracks. Jesse continues to struggle with his guilt. What struck you about the preview? So the preview, I really felt like Hank was making the tour, yeah. uh, talking to all of Walt's associates. He's going to talk to Skyler for sure. It felt like Skyler and Saul. Uh, Walt is out looking for Jesse. Nobody can find him, apparently. Yep. Uh, we know that for a fact. <laughs> right. Uh, but he... yeah, I really feel like this is an episode where Hank is going to go digging, try and find these things that are buried. Right on. Um, got some um, kind of casting analysis that Mike did. Uh, on an IMDb episode, cast lists are all pretty generic until you get to Ozzy Man- Mandius, which includes Max, our, oh, Jesus Christ. Arseniega. Arseniega, Crazy Eight, Jonathan Banks, Mike, David Costabile, 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 oh, Jesus, I can't say Gail's <laughs> name. David Costabile, Costabile, Costabile. <laughs> yeah, David Castafile, sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Who played Gail, Raymond Cruz, Tuco. Huxtable, right? As a cost, Costable? Huxtable, yeah. Huxt- no, it's not yeah. Huxtable. Yeah, he, it's with he was C. on the Cosby show. Oh, Jesus. Sure. 
And Kristen Ritter, Jane, does this mean they've gone back and filmed a bunch of new flashback footage? Oh, I think so. I hope it's not going to be this lame, like, ghost of the past accusing him bullshit, like Obi-Wan and Anakin <laughs> shit. <laughs> no, they've never done anything that silly. Uh, also interesting, that Laura Frazier, who plays Lydia, does not show up the rest of the season. Perhaps an early demise for her. Oh, oh my. Uh, Could be. Nick says, we know that in the final episode is entitled Felina, but it does not have a synopsis attached to it. My prediction is that Felina, meaning cat-like, is describing the final confrontation Walt has had at the Big Bad, presumably Declan. We already discovered last season that Walt has tracer ammunition in the car next to the huge gun. That bodes, uh, that bodes for the fact that Walt is planning some sort of mission under the cover of night, much like a cat hmm. burglar where he will need the assistance of Tracer Ammo to see what he's shooting. The idea of a cat burglar with a machine gun is pretty fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, like cat burglars don't usually make it's, themselves that known. <laughs> it's kind of like in Skyrim, where the glass stuff is always the best thieving equipment, like glass yeah. gloves. Clank, glass, clank, clank, glass clank. sword, too. It's like, am I really going to go to battle with a glass sword? Apparently so. Uh, don't live in a glass house is all I know. Another small theory floating around my house is that Felina could have something to do with Holly wearing those cute cat ear hoods in every episode. Hmm. Oh, we're going to have an infant sacrifice in the last episode. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, why a bunch of ghosts stand around and watch it? Maybe that's how the ghost came from, is a seance. <laughs> this is spiraling downward quickly. I'm, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, running, I'm running out of steam. This has been fun, but... This has been fucking season finale level feedback, and it's just the yeah, first episode. It has. So, do we have any more emails? No, we do not. We do not. Okay, perfect. Uh, I don't know about you, but I am super amped for next uh, next episode and for the rest of this season. I'm. It's a little bittersweet for me the idea that we've only got seven more episodes. Yeah, and every every. I mean, I feel like I'm greedy for next week, but every week ticks off huge chunks of the final season absolutely you know we're only seven episodes left yeah yeah we in a lose. normal season we'd be you know this would be the half you know that we'd have been halfway through a season by now uh you mean including 50 no I'm, I'm not doing that horse shit i'm saying <laughs> okay it's been a fucking year this is season six we only have eight episodes yeah yeah so all right well, that's it. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the extra long cast, and uh, we'll probably end up doing it again next week because I don't see any uh, no end in sight. Relent of no, the listeners. No end in sight. And, and honestly, I hope they don't. You know, I, I enjoy reading it all. And no, uh, but I just I hope I'm not. All these I just worry. I just feel bad cutting people because we had you have to. I what we had, we started 29 pages of yeah. emails. I can only read. Usually we try to get to seven, nine for like a season finale where I'm hustling. I had 11 tonight and I had to towards the end just like start cutting because yeah, my voice full, gets out. A full half of the show of this extra long show is dedicated to listeners. Yeah. If you're not satisfied with that, I don't know how we can satisfy you. Mm, a special a feedback only cast on Thursdays. <laughs> get out of here. Jim's, Jim's right. shooting murder daggers at me. <laughs> Speaking of getting out of here, we're getting out of here. Yeah. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. See you next time. Yeah. See you next week.